0: Hey, hey, welcome to podcast number 19. Uh, before I start this one, I just want to thank the good dudes over at digbmx.com for always helping me out with getting these podcasts done and helping me out with some travel stuff. Um, they've seriously done so much for me uh, that, you know, I just want to thank them. They, they really helped me out with this trip, getting down to, to do a few of these ones. So thank you guys. Go check out digbmx.com. Um, they're the best uh today's podcast is with simon tabron simon has been a vert destroyer for years and years and years and i seriously was so psyched to sit down with him i enjoyed my conversation so much um i don't want to spoil too much of it because this is seriously one of the my favorite podcasts i've done um so i'm excited for you all to hear it so uh here we go sit back and listen thanks (laughs) Yeah, I wanted to. Uh, I, I wanted to. I don't know. I kind of want to just nerd out on Vert stuff and talk to you about like the old English Vert scene. and.
1: That's fun with me. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like
0: it's just like something like maybe when I was just like younger, I was always drawn to it. Like because you guys had such. There was such a strong scene there we, when I was younger. you really,
1: really did have a rich scene. I mean, back in the late 80s, when I first got into BMX and first got into freestyle, I was very, very lucky with the influences around me. There, were, there was just such a broad. Field of talent, just yeah. crazy. In crazy, such a small area, too. In such a tiny country, you know, we we're, yeah. were a tiny rock in the in the North Atlantic. There, yeah, you know, and um there were so many incredible, incredible riders and young riders, like thirteen-year-olds who were crazy, pros who well, were like, really good. You know, so many.
0: Yeah. So, what year? Like okay, where? Like, what part of England did you grow up? And what year did you start riding? And everything? okay, r- r-
1: I guess my story really briefly. I, I was born in Liverpool in the northwest and grew up just to the north of that in um, a town called Southport in Lancashire, so okay. the northwest of England. Um, I, for my ninth birthday, I Like, I rode a bike around the neighborhood a little bit, and and I kind of wanted to be a stuntman when I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, was, just, I was a Like boy, the Evil doing, stuff Yeah, yeah. I, I was a boy, like like a, a piece of wood and a couple of bricks, making ramps and yeah. all of that with my friends in the neighborhood. And then I saw a bike that was actually designed for it, a BMX bike at the, the local bike shop. I begged my parents, and they did like a combined birthday and Christmas gift. Oh, the, and, that's uh, and the ultimate. That's the ultimate. <laughs> and uh, And still to this day, I remember... Like, I drove to the shop with my mom in her car, and then I rode my bike home and raced to home. What bike was it? It was just, it was a, a, called a Rally Burner.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, Which I was mean, like the big 80s craze. And that was a bike a lot bike. of English dudes grew it, up as their first bike. Yeah, rate. and
1: it, it was, honestly, it was like 80 or 90 pounds, which would be like $130 yeah. tops, you know, But which I guess is kind of a lot of money for a kid.
0: You spent one in the 80s, yeah.
1: But it was definitely low end, entry level. Cheap. Yeah,
0: but it was enough to get, get yeah, the spark it, going. It was,
1: it was the best thing, and, uh, I, I mean, I can still really clearly remember riding that bike home. And, you know, that, that was the moment my life changed. Um, so i just ride around the neighbourhood. And a friend at school told me he used to go to a racetrack. Yeah. So I went to a racetrack with him. And that changed everything. Best thing I'd ever seen. So I started racing. Um, and then after about a year or, or so going to the racetrack, they built a quarter pipe at the racetrack. Yeah. And there was um, there was a pro who rode for Torka over in England back in the day and then for GT called Andy Irwin, and he okay. lived he lived in our town he was he was from southport um and he used to ride there a little bit. So I started riding a little bit and seeing this guy, Andy. Was and knew, he a fair
0: amount older than you?
1: Yeah, yeah. He's, you know, he, he's closer to 20 at the time. Yeah. And I'm 10 years old at the time. But he was kind of cool with me too. He was tolerant on me. And yeah, talked yeah. to me a little bit and I'm still friends with that guy to this day. Oh, nice. Um, and he, um, so I learned to do airs and I remember on that little quarter pipe, I, I, it was maybe like seven feet tall. Was it one there. of the
0: ones that they had just a two by four trainees on the side? No, no, no. It,
1: it, was, it was curved. It was a perfect transition but I always remember it wasn't sheeted in plywood. It was strips of wood horizontally oh across. really so when you would go up it was like yeah it was just like you know, just, like, just like, cuts like, yeah and it was kind of cool um, and it was wide as well i remember it was 10 or 12 feet wide oh that's crazy it's kind w- of a big deal well, like early 80s and stuff yeah and it was it was built on the dirt so there was like a little dirt run into it yeah and then you'd hit its quarter and so i l- learned to wear and I, t- I could get like a couple of inches over you know out the top of the ramp and i remember one day um i remember the thing with racing was um I was a mischievous little kid, so I'd get in trouble at home, I'd get in trouble at school a little bit, you know, yeah. nothing serious, but just, you know, messing yeah. around, just being a boy, and I remember one time in a race, getting told off by one of the officials, for jumping in the race, and like, doing X-ups yeah, or something, the, for the, sure, the, I was, the strict race right, I, was, I, was I was showboating, and they kind of lectured me, that I was losing time, and I was endangering the other kids, and all that, and this made me really sad, because, you know, I'd get told off everywhere else, I didn't want my bike ride, yeah. at the weekend, that was my thing, and, um, so I, I, I always remember that was a big deal to me. I kind of shied away from racing after that. I didn't yeah. like the rules and the structure. And then one day, um, I, I remember I missed my moto because I was riding the quarter pipe. That was it. You know, <laughs> that was that, it. That, that, that Were was, you still
0: riding the rally burner then?
1: I was still on the rally burner. Absolutely. I remember I cut the handlebars down really, really skinny. I had V bars. And I was all about X-ups. That was like my first... I could do little tabletop X-ups and I think I could do one-handed jumps.
0: Did you race expert and stuff? Did you make it that far? No. No. Maybe
1: it it And these were local races. Yeah. Just in in the north. Not even like the region, just in the town, basically. Um, I think I went to like one in the next... A race in the next city. And I was like, okay, the... The city of Liverpool, the county it's in is called Merseyside, and I was Merseyside racing champion when I was ten for the ten-year-olds. Yeah, and it was maybe novices. I don't know if it's an expert. I was terrible at racing. Yeah, I'd I'd like if I got in the lead, I'd look over my shoulder and get caught up. I just (laughs) I just wasn't a good BMX racer. Um, But anyway, so so then it was it was quarter pipes, and you know, a friend told me there was like a freestyle club in Liverpool, like at this leisure centre, like one day. The sports like at the sports hall like one day on Saturdays maybe yeah so we'd go that to that once a week. What year was that? About? This, would,
0: this would be eighty four maybe okay nineteen. Well, yeah. So yeah, I mean, quarter people having quarter pipes. I mean, that's still like a pretty new th- that was a new thing in the states it, at that it time it was
1: pretty new but, but here's how lucky we were I had one at my house and my friend Marcus had one at his house and then we had a third friend who had a just, so, all like just the, in the our the little neighborhood all riding distance no like 6 feet tall Okay, okay. Um, so we had a couple of ramps so it was oh, we're going to ride at your house today we're going to ride at my house Yeah. You know, so we were very lucky in that respect um, and so so yeah about 84 or so then I, I was going to this this freestyle club and they had a competition so I entered that and then They had a trip to like a regional race and then I got in the federation over there that our equivalent of the AFA was called the UK BFA, the United Kingdom Bicycle Freestyle Association. So I, they took me to a regional for the north of England um, and I entered novice. So I think I was 12 years old. Was it a fair? No, no, no. Tell a lie. I I was, yeah, I, I was 12 years old my first year and I did the whole series for that year and I think I did well enough in in the regional series that I qualified to turn expert the following year. Yeah. So I was in the so then when I was thirteen, I rode the thirteen experts. Um, oh no, maybe the twelve experts. And the year after, I rode. I started going to the national series. Yeah. Then so 1987, we got to. I rode the national series and I qualified. I think I got. I was, like, number two in the country in the 13-year-olds. Oh, wow. Who was your competition? There was is a there? Guy, guy, an amazing rider called David Frame, who to this day... Oh, yeah, no, I know David... This day, like, this is how hard it was for me coming up. I rode against David Frame and another guy called Mick Hudson.
0: To yeah, the, and
1: those are two, like, two kind of, of English talen- legends. Two is. of the most talented riders to yeah. this day that I've ever met. Now... So they really so honestly. I used to get third a lot. So,
0: David David kind of went on to be like a street guy, didn't he?
1: A little, like a bit more of a park guy. Okay, okay. He could do anything. though, he was, an, he was, no, an I've, seen, I've seen, i stuff. At, yeah, I mean the pictures of him from the late '80s they kind of hold hold stand ground. I mean, there's a today. bunch. I mean, yeah. so that's, good, and he wrote some like big cement pools and stuff.
0: That's where I've seen... I th- yeah.
1: Livingston Skate Park in Scotland. Okay. Uh, was his, uh, he lived right there. So and that's the park that's still there, right? That's still there. Yeah. yeah. Legendary park. So he just rode there every day, and he still rides now. Nice. Um, I, I saw him recently. Like I stay in touch with him. He's a really good friend. So riding. So all of a sudden, I'm riding nationals, and then we went to the World Championships. I got third at the World Championships was that, that year.
0: Was that up north, or was it down London? Or That
1: was in England that year, and it was actually okay. a, a week-long tour in lots of different cities oh, wow. from the south to the north. I remember that. It was like a... Um, they'd put everybody on buses and go to the next city the next city, oh, for the next fun. round it was incredible
0: no, that, doesn't even seem, that doesn't even seem like something like if that happened nowadays it just seemed like it'd be like the craziest yeah, thing this,
1: this is i think what happens when parents run things you know it was this big extravaganza yeah and had like big like a big um soda company sponsorship and stuff <laughs> um no so that was crazy so by the age of 13 in my life in my mind i've arrived i'm getting to ride with pros yeah. i'm getting to ride all you're these fully events. enveloped in other and, things um, i've started riding half pipes a lot Um, You know, I I am now not really riding flatland contests anymore. You were able to ride ramps or flats, so I've already become like the ramp rider.
2: Yeah.
1: And that's kind of where... And that's when I really started to meet all the people who were my heroes from the magazines, like um, Lee Reynolds, Carlo Griggs, Scott Carroll. I mean, all these guys influenced me so much. Mike Canning, an incredible rider. Yeah. Um, I never really... I, I came a little bit after like Craig Campbell was kind of in America by this point that
0: would have been like 87 87 yeah yeah because yeah, he was writing for Skyway I think well what was the company in oh England? Prolight Prolight and then he did like I think he did uh an Upland like a yeah he up, came to a
1: pipeline Kingdom he came to, to a pipe, pipe, I think that was 86 yeah
0: yeah, and I, I heard when you went to those pipeline contests if you weren't a pipeline you dude, could ride it. it was no, it was just really hard and yeah. I remember I think I've seen a few photos of him actually oh, carrying it. it, you know. I think he
1: plays good and he, yeah, beat, I think he beat legit pros of the day.
0: The only people I hear that weren't locals that would do good was like Hugo and then him when he, he okay, came, yeah, he, yeah. you
1: know. Craig was an incredible rider. Oh yeah. I I always really liked he just had a great style
0: and 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 just an element of originality. When I was younger and I'd see stuff of him, it wasn't that even he had a great, because you'd see his style. Mm-hmm. His bikes always look cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you looked at him, you were just like, I just want to hang out with that yeah, dude. Yeah. Like, you were just like, he's probably doing the cool, he just looks so cool. Like, everything. It seemed
1: like, like the world was nice to, the, the world wanted Craig, you know, it's like all the doors open very yeah. easily, like, like in the, in the freestyle world over here and sponsorship uh, and magazines. I he was sweated just, him so, he, I, it was so good.
0: I, I sweated him so hard to just see him like cruise around, just even in pedal, like I've watched old footage, him just cruise around his bike, you're like, that just looks I, nice. I rode with
1: him when I was 13 in 1987, we went street riding and I did like a little wall ride from the flat. You know, like like no bank. Yeah, money. yeah. And I remember he was like, "Wow, that was really cool." He complimented me. It's the best thing that happened to me that yeah. <laughs> Craig Campbell complimented me.
0: No, I'm sure. On am my street chops. Um, so yeah, you're starting to ride with those those guys. So tell me if I'm wrong. So you're up north, and wasn't there kind of like down south? There was like kind of two vert crews, kind of like yeah. That well. well we
1: were all kind of there was lots of different people and different ramps and different places there was a crew in London which was like Lee Reynolds and Greg Giot and Andy Brown and Brennan, that was where they'd
0: ride under the bridge under right? That bridge at yeah. Me-
1: Meanwhile Gardens that area is called cool yeah. in London apparently if you ride past under that bridge now the hype pole markers are still on the wall you can see them. Greg Guillard yeah, so, probably so, put some of
0: those up there but
1: le- legend has it yeah absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and I'd see pictures from that spot and those guys and they never rode with helmets or anything they were just incredible and um like Lee Reynolds and Greg I always credit them and Andy Brown I credit them with being nice to a weird little kid from the north because yeah. from the age of about 13 like I had their phone numbers and they would ride with me and they would answer the phone to me they were so cool to me and- I remember um, Greg gave me one of his own his old helmets yeah he gave me this old dino helmet he had and they just really took me
0: under that stuff can change that stuff can change a little dude's life like they, they changed my life for, yeah. sure, for sure I mean there was dudes when I'd come up you know once I grew because I grew up in a little town and once I left that town and I met a few people and they were I'm like this dude's nice to me like the, one of the things that meant the most to me and it, it was a little later on we were riding Marino Valley one morning Brian Castillo rolls up you know I'm like 19 and Brian's like pretty much the same age as me he just chatted up and i'm like this is that dude that street right. rider dude and he like gave me his phone numbers like give me a call if you guys want to ride street tomorrow i was too scared to call but it like <laughs> you know i was just like blown away like it meant so much like i was just like this is awesome you know but yeah so there's that crew sorry i, I twice I no, a, to you. A, okay. <laughs>
1: and then and then you know there was a big crew that i grew up with um in the middle like, kind of um in the middle of the country yeah there was there was a crew Jason Ellis the Hudson brothers yeah there were those four brothers James John Mick and Chris now Chris was the youngest who was a skateboarder and the other three were vert riders okay and they had a half pipe at their house so every like school holiday I would take the train and go and stay with them yeah and like lee reynolds was good friends with them so I, I got really more connected with lee through them as well um and then this guy jason ellis that lived in like the next village from them yeah became like this incredible vert rider in the no, 80s. Mem- okay, yeah, 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 great style so these were my friends now you know they they kind of like like took me in their, their into their circle yeah and so we were just you know we were connected by our mutual love of not just bmx but the vert ramp yeah and we all you know being kind of a small country with great um, transport
0: infrastructure, you know, we could take the trains all over the place, go and ride with each other, stay with each other. Yeah, just crazy how many from like, kind of like your age or maybe just a little older, how many dudes like influence vert riding? Like, you know... I you- mean, I, n- I never really think of it that way because from
1: our... To tell you from our perspective, we're on the other side of the Atlantic looking at freestyle yeah. and BMX Plus and everything in awe of Josh White and Mike Dominguez and Brian Blythe, you know, later on, yeah. Matt Hoffman and all of that. Um and we were like nobody from nowhere as far as we felt you know like i, like I, I totally powerful, get it yeah mean. yeah we were on the wrong side no, of the world even
0: living in oregon when i grew up i felt you know i i, I could outside. have felt like i was that far away yeah 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 and then when my friends and i came up people would be like oh you know northwest style and stuff but and we were
1: we really I, I feel like that made us try really really no hard. yeah it because really
0: you did. you're seeing stuff in a magazine and in your head it's like 10 notches higher than it actually is so you're trying 10 times yeah, yeah, harder yeah. because you want to get to their level but when you meet people they're like what are you guys you know what, what's the stuff you guys are doing and, and
1: I think we had a very healthy scene like you know, there were a lot of very, very good riders. Yeah. And, and we just, I mean, I just saw that, that that was the standard. And my attitude in life has always been, I wanted to jump into the deepest pool with the biggest sharks as yeah. soon as possible because I knew that being around these people, you know, I, I wanted you. to surround me, myself with greatness in the hope that I could improve. Yeah. I wasn't like I wanted to be, like, I always i always talk about there's this one guy in my town that I grew up, right? He was my best friend growing up when I first started riding BMX. And, like, at least once a week he would remind me that he was the best rider in our town. Just you, you do know that I'm the best, and (laughs) And always. And then when we started going to the nationals, I I think that first year when I went to the, started going to the national series, I was like top three in the country, and he was like thirty three.
0: Oh wow! Because he was a year older than me,
1: and he was against Carlo Griggs and people like that. Oh well
0: you have no chance then. And that's when his
1: riding stops. Like it just ended there. He got a car and got a girlfriend and and moved on with his life. That's what
0: keeps people riding. Is you want? It's that hunger, that chase. You know, like
1: like he wanted to be the big fish in a small pond, and I wanted to be the i was happy to be a small fish in the big pond yeah no yeah i, I was just about the journey and
0: that, i mean i think if you talk to most dudes that go far riding it's just that hunger to you keep you're just always looking up or forward to to get to that next level and it was
1: never straightforward ambition to be honest it was just the thing i liked and i just wanted to do it more and yeah. more and more and i could see all these great riders around me and all these great places and you know i was like maybe one day i'll get to go to california yeah you know maybe i'll get to meet Brian Blyther and Ron Wilkerson and, and and those guys. Well, you're probably
0: friends with Lee when he headed over to California. I was, yeah, that, that I knew him before. What did, then, did, was that afterwards. like
1: a, was that crazy? Like you're like, whoa, this dude. Yeah, that was that was surreal for me because the Lee that came back, he went like I, I loved his riding before he left. by the time he got back, he he became pretty much one of all my all time favorite riders. Well, his style's just. There's one picture at the horror offices of of Lee doing a Ken can. Is from, it the Flint, contest? It's the Flint Michigan oh, contest. Oh yeah, and it's one of the greatest BMX images just, of all time. With where his foot's his, half on. His foot's like it's just like the leaning corner the of his yeah,
0: yeah. dude. That first off, that I could talk about that damn Flint Michigan contest for like an hour because I think it's like one of the greatest vert contests ever. It was like right at that time where it was going from just like dudes were really just starting to really push it super hard. Mm-hmm. You watch Matt when he was like an AM. He's going like. Eleven feet out of that ramp. Mm-hmm. Lee's there doing crazy shit. Like yeah, Lee tried and not got
1: really close on the nine hundred. He got like close on like, a nine hundred. No I think he washed out. Yeah, no one had pulled a nine hundred. Yeah. yeah, there was that mad race to try and. It, yeah, it was. It was totally the, the chase kind of kind of to be the. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think somebody else I mean, just to make it possible. You know, just. I mean, he's trying it on tough, tough wheels. Tough wheels. <laughs> I saw him try one once in the late '80s where he recoiled like so. He like pre-coiled so hard to take off on the nine hundred. The tough flexed. And like it washed out on him and he just like burst out the top of the ramp and like him and his bike went separate ways and he crashed. Big just just the force of oh, yeah. going in with that spin, the, the, the tough wheel couldn't take it.
0: Isn't there footage I, I think it's him, the Austin, Texas Vert contest where they on had the it on barge. the board and the ramp would shake. I think if you watch it, he tries a 900 and the ramp shakes and pushes him. Oh god, I've seen that. And, and he like lands in like the middle he lands of the ramp in the
1: middle of the flat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I posted
0: yeah. up that contest and I was watching the footage and and you fully are seeing the ramp shake, and he goes to spin a nine, and it chucks him. Like, he lands, like, six feet. You know, I'm, I'm not sure that anybody's
1: ever discussed that out in the open. There's only so many people that have ever really tried 900s on a yeah, well, But... I'm not sure that anybody knows how hard it is to land a 900 smoothly on a vert ramp. It's the, It was the most difficult thing for me. I, I, from the get-go, when I first started trying them, the spin was easy because I could already do 720 yeah. two jumps. It wasn't hard to get to 900 degrees, but to land on the same transition that you take taken off on it because you, was you, impossible. Because You want to pull, all right? All that force, you just pull away and you naturally head to the flat bottom. Yeah. And if you don't and you counter that, then you just spin and land on top of the ramp. You hang up. Yeah. It, it was just, that was the hardest bit for me was, was hard harnessing it to land in some kind of semblance of control so you could actually ride away like the, the spin itself would never if you difficult. watch
0: some of that old footage when it's the chase you know like people talked about you know dominguez had already pulled one on his backyard yeah, right? yeah. which it's mike he probably did because he's he's crazy I,
1: that's one i will never i will never confirm nor deny and i've talked to mike about it a little bit and yeah and, 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 like i've quietly probed him on that one and i kind of don't want to know and i'll let that one be because it because you're right because like because i know mike quite well mike probably did
0: yeah. And you watch the one he did at the eighty seven finals mm-hmm. um at the enchanted think, ramp. Yeah, yeah. I mean he came
1: really and, and that's the thing, it's not like it's a stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Everyone that everyone pretty much that you saw him try was plausible, it was close.
0: Yeah, I think one he put his foot down and then just fell over. Right. right. You know, at an AFA contest. He like,
1: essentially rolled away from them. It, yeah. It, it was right
0: there. Yeah, know, but you watch some of the other people try him at the time, like you know, They're Lee, wild, Chris Potts, and... Wilkerson. Yeah maybe i remember seeing people spin the tried one and he
1: uh, he jumped off at 540 i remember seeing dave mirror try one years later oh really the exact same thing that
0: brian did i think ron got one and i think landed like 720 and i think volker tried them volker did try it volker pulled one though when i talked to dave he pulled one at a show it's oh on the gt water pipe or something no it was like a it was like a i think a demo what he was doing for gt in like I can't remember. I remember talking oh, to... no, no, him.
1: I'm confusing it because Jay Mer- and Miron pulled one on one of those quarter pipes. No, Miron
0: him. would pull him because he lived... He, when he was young, when he moved from Thunder Bay over up to us, he pulled him at a... He had tough wheels and a trick star. Before he went to a two-hip contest, we had these NAFA contests and we had a 16-foot-wide quarter pipe and he did a 900 on that at a local contest. Right. On, with tough wheels in it in one of those like black magic looking trick stars like <laughs> yeah. you know and people were, like lost their damn mind <laughs> like this is like a little local northwest contest but some of the dude's spins were just insane on yeah, those things yeah, you know absolutely so yeah the, the anyway watch. i think
1: going back to like the whole uk scene back yeah. then, there was such a healthy flourishing scene and then like league had come to america i'd watch craig do the same thing yeah and for us that was like that was the end goal like like to not just get good enough in our country, but, you know, we went to some events in Europe and all of that. There were some, you know, badass guys in France and Germany. Um, but the idea that you could actually make it to America and get yeah. a US sponsorship and make it. And these guys, like Lee and, and Craig, like blazed the trail. And, oh, know, yeah. They, they demonstrated it was possible. And then they brought attention to us. I remember freestyling um, had some features about, yeah, they about had, the UK. Yeah, yeah. And about the scene
0: that we had and all the crazy... I, mean, I remember seeing that. Stuff. It seemed like you guys had the most crazy things to ride we
1: kind of we had really really good skate parks left over from the 70s we had really good half pipes everywhere yeah we, we, i mean looking back we had a great scene and uh and it was in a small bubble and yeah and it was kind of small and accessible yeah and we all knew each other
0: yeah it, it just i mean yeah i would look at it and i would just think it, it just seemed like the best like i'm like they have to it just, well in the 80s too other than pipeline the parks were all gone you'd see you guys riding like cement parks and you're mm-hmm. like what is this? This is impo- This is crazy. You know, like dudes are just roasting. Like, I don't want to know which park it is one. was like Devil's Toilet with the big extension. Satan's Toilet. Satan's Toilet. Toilet. South Sea. Yeah, it just look like the scariest shit. That's dudes... not to this day
1: that pool. That bowl is still there. That pool has gnarly.
0: Dennis Wingham owns it, right? Oh
1: God, Dennis Wingham. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've. I've. Yeah. I always see that. I'm like, I need to go over there and just do a tour and just hit some of these <laughs> old parks because you'd love it. You'd love it. Oh, it seems amazing. Um. So, when was the point kind of where you were just going from like, you know, you're in that scene, you, some of your buddies come out, when was the point where maybe, you, did you start, draw, start drawing attention there? Because I think the first time I saw you, I think you were on Hoffman. Okay. You, you were like, maybe it was like, I saw you in like an old uh, 70s vid or something, okay. you know, but when was when did it start going where you're like, it, well, maybe well, you, I can. I think can-
1: for me, um, 1990, I was 16 and in England, you graduate high school at 16. Okay. Okay. And then, so I, I remember, I turned pro in sixteen, and this was through the UK BFA. You had to qualify yeah. in the amateurs, and you had to be sixteen. You you weren't allowed to turn pro um, any younger than that. So I, so January first, nineteen ninety, I signed up. I renewed my license and, yeah. and applied to be. You, you you'd ride the master class for one year, and then we're allowed. It was like a B pro, and then yeah. once you'd done a year. You could stay there, or you could go like April as it yeah. were. Um, so I, I went in there to do my my, uh, do my time. Stepped up. Um, so I went from the amateur classes, and that was the first time I wrote Jamie. Turned the same day. He came from I think the sixteen or the seventeen year old. Jamie kind of lived away
0: from everybody, didn't he?
1: Ja- well, Jamie lived close to um, um, the Hudsons. That okay. I was talking about kind of kind of in the Midlands. Of England. Okay, he, he lived and Jason Ellis. Those he was kind of in like a couple of towns across from them. Um, but i mean um yeah so so i turned master class and that was my first competition and then i know i'd ridden i'd snuck into two like two jams the year before i went to a race at a freestyle contest in holland so i'd ridden pro at that one already yeah. in 89 when i was 15 and then i rode another one where i just signed up in a group at the south Sea seascape okay King yeah, yeah and nobody said i couldn't so i rode a group <laughs> so that was great so i was desperate to try and be a pro yeah um and then I, I had sponsors by this time. I had, like, a Converse shoe deal. Oh, right. Really? Um, I I was sponsored, but I was on the... Remember Invert magazine? I was I on the yeah. Invert team. Yeah. Which meant, like, they had, like, five different sponsors or whatever. So I, I was getting full flow on everything. Um, and then when I was 16, then they kind of put me on a retainer and I started making a little bit of money and oh, and doing shows yeah. and making the day rate. Um, and that was when I, I started to see... Um, I remember 1990 when Matt came over to one of the contests there and it was like the UK BFA went into decline and so I just started riding full pro at everything. Because, I mean, everything was passed The Federation, we were like, we're going to start doing things ourselves. The parents got bored, you know, we got a bit older. So so the the, the organisation, it it changed a little bit and so a lot of the structure disappeared. Um, And we... um, So that year I started riding just full pro in, in, in all the contests. And I remember Matt came over to do a demo, Matt Hoffman, and um, I spent the week with him before that riding with him. And I remember I'd, it'd been like a really good year for me and i turned pro and I was sponsored and I was in the magazines yeah. all the time and everything making a little bit of money. And I rode with Matt for a week and was just like, God, I'm nothing. Look at this guy's like a force. And I'd seen Matt ride before yeah. a few years earlier, but just riding a backyard half pipe with him, I, was, in ba- was, I was embarrassed to ride with him. It was It yeah. was pathetic like how much better than us he was. And I was like, God, I thought like I was getting somewhere. I'm no, like I'm, I'm at the beginning. Yeah. You know, like, and, and I remember being, it being a very good moment for me and understanding that everything I do could be done five times better. And it was time to kind of like, I, I just needed to progress yeah, an awful lot. It, I wasn't it. nearly as good as I perhaps as 16 year old, me thought i was you know i thought I was, I was starting to be quite good and i was a pro and i was i was nothing i realized do you have 540s at 16 yes oh okay all right, i think all right. i learned them when i was like 13 but inside the ram though i remember um the day i learned i figured that trying to do them higher and higher like we were talking put, about put earlier transition yeah. yeah and that day when i was like I, I know what i have to do i just have to blast one a couple of feet out the top of the ramp like to get three it's feet out and... that was when i was 15 i remember that day and i and I spent all day riding at the ramp and didn't do it, didn't do it, didn't do it. And then I let one fly. And I was so terrified. I remember I jumped off but kept hold of the handlebars and knee slid out next to the bike. Yeah. At 540. And I was like, oh, my God, if I'd stayed on, I would have made that. So then I spent another half an hour riding at the ramp and not doing it and not doing it. And I sent another one and I stayed on and rode away. And I could do I could do, yeah, like I could. three foot 540s. There.
0: When you get out, you, it's easier to push your nose in and keep yourself level from the loop out.
1: i I think i had problems in years after it was the hardest trick i lost it for a while it killed me i remember one one day losing them so badly that year when i was 15 that i actually sat next to the ramp
0: and started crying
1: I mean it, it, it was and it wasn't the pain of all the crashes I didn't really it was I was just heartbroken because
0: you had something and it's gone I had something it
1: was so great and it just slipped through my fingers I was like looping out and crashing oh, I, couldn't, the, I couldn't even I was getting so hurt but that wasn't even the point I was just I was the, so heartbroken the, the
0: loop out yeah especially at that age like I remember sitting and trying fives over and you know but they'd be at cope I could never get myself to go but just beating myself up But uh-huh. it was never getting the hurt it was just like just the frustration I think just hurt more than anything like you know at that age you heal so fast stuff
1: like that that, that's what makes that's when people talk about character that's how your character develops yeah you you look inside yourself and you keep going you know and and you do it till you do it or you don't you walk away you know? But you tried. But you tried, <laughs> you know. So yeah. So then. So by this time, so I've ridden with Matt, and then that was when he famously did the first flare. I was on the ramp with him at uh, the uh, at the King of Vert contest. The one that were, had the invert. Yeah. Yeah. My dad made that ramp. Where he
0: rode off and gave the bike to a kid. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I did that demo with him. I rode the contest and I did the demo with Matt what? because because we've been riding that together. That the Riders Cup? um No, no, that came. That was a couple of years. Okay. Like, okay. This was a UK King of Vert contest. Okay. Cool. So we did. Like, I, I wrote his demo with him a little bit, and we planned out we did some. That was the first time we did doubles. Like, um, so, he aired over me, yeah. and then we did a 540 over 540. And um, and I always remember because we were going to do three we were going to do air over air, then we were going to do air. He was going to air over me doing a 540, and then we were going to do a 5 over 5. Yeah. So, after the second one, I was like, oh, okay, should we do the 5 over 5 now? He's like, no, I just did. And then, like, obviously Famous in later sort of video. And, 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 <laughs> and like, he didn't even tell me. And that that was that set the tone for my friendship with Matt. So many times over the years, we've done doubles. And he's just flipped the script on me midair. air Doubles? Oh, yeah, no, I didn't tell you. I, I spun a five anyway. He just changed his mind. And we've done a lot of messed up stuff, man. <laughs>
0: but doubles are... I've only done doubles once with Bristol. Because you got to have a buddy you really trust Oh, with yeah, it. yeah. You have to, yeah. And it's just weird because I remember just... I was doing lip slides because... I mean, we were just doing it that way, but I just remember seeing his pedal just wing by my eye, like because wow. you know we were just like. Mm. I mean, I, I've
1: taken Matt out really good. Doing, yeah, doing doubles. We've we, we've had our ups and downs Ugh. with
0: them. Yeah, that's that's not good. <laughs> but yeah, that so I mean, so that contest. I mean, that's a super famous contest. Uh-huh. What I mean, going like back to that because that was first flare pulled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what was the feel like? I mean, did it feel like BMX jumped like ten notches yes. higher?
1: Now, now the week leading up to it, because I'd stayed with matt for that whole week and rode with him um i kind of quizzed him a little bit about this because there was the rumor that he had had some kind of gymnastics mechanism we knew that he could do backflip fakies yeah because there was the bursey contest right right? yeah so that's already happened but there was this rumor that he could he could spin 180 and land forwards on the backflip yeah and um you know we were all speculating but nobody really knew for sure so that week when i was riding with him i actually said hey look i i heard that you can uh you can do like 180 backflips. We didn't know it was called a flare. Yet. Yeah, yeah. Like a, a backflip with like, where you he's and he land forwards. And he just looked at me and didn't say anything. I was, I was like, like, the person told me that you have like this gymnastics harness and he's like, oh yeah, because I have hundreds of thousands of dollars to spend on equipment. That's, don't be so ridiculous. So we didn't, deny it but he kind of like blew it off yeah, and I was, like, yeah. I was like oh no you're right that that's, that does sound ridiculous and then like two days later he did one i was like wow so did
0: no one know he was going to well, do nobody,
1: that nobody
0: nobody so that nobody just blew everybody's it. minds because
1: mm-hmm. he did two flip fakies first and crashed so our minds were blown he'd done yeah, 900 yeah. he'd done everything that he could do okay um and he did these two flip fakies and then the it was like the second one it's like he turned a little bit and we're like was that intentional he landed at yeah. 90 degrees and crashed and then the third one he turned 180 degrees and, and then that's, so like that's the one the sequence that we've all seen yeah kevin martin in the jumping up John and just smashing his, his knees and all of that and uh yeah um and he changed history forever so so that was kind of the scene then and yeah um and just riding with matt i realized like I was nothing and I was nowhere and I was nobody and, and that was the best thing for me because I I really kind of dug in again yeah you know and I really found like the progression in my vert riding again yeah and 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 just started working harder and harder I remember in '91 I pulled my first 900 at the worlds in Denmark okay um and I've and I think
0: like that's I, pretty I, early to be doing them
1: yeah I think Matt and Dennis had both done them. I they, don't know, maybe
0: somebody else I like, think they did Dennis did his at that indie comp yeah yeah in 1990 and
1: then yeah Dennis, uh, Matt obviously from 89 yeah. started doing them was doing them I think Miron could
0: do them by then yeah Miron could because he turned pro at that comp in 90 okay. and he'd already done them before then okay um I don't know I don't know if anybody else had done but I, I
1: always like I know I was like the first guy outside of America yeah um but so I pulled my first one in 91 I actually pulled my second one in 98 seven four really? years later and i didn't stop trying them that one was just Whoa, like, that's crazy it was wild and i pulled it and then i killed myself how big was
0: the ramp that you did your first one on like 11 feet i think yeah that's great i mean you think on those smaller ramps it seems like scarier with like you know less training yeah
1: I'm, i mean 11 is the smallest ramp i've done one on yeah. i've I tried them on some tens i've tried them on some eight foot quarters I never pulled it So it's pretty crazy when Jay's done it on like a nine-foot quarter. Absolutely. But Jay had a very, very clean technique on them as well. So yeah. so his, his kind of... A, it makes more sense for him. My technique was a bit different. You Do you... I, I alley oops. I was like going to say, do my, you
0: alley-oop? I was honestly yeah. just about to say that. It's like, you kind of alley-oop the, the, a little on that, it, don't, and don't that's you? That's
1: how I figured them out. was that, that trip in 1990 when Matt came and stayed in England. I asked him, I was like, Hey, Matt, look, I I can't work it out. What's the difference between get you know doing a 900 and crashing it but like what was the thing that changed the difference in you pulling it he's like well one of them you crash and the other one you ride away like all sarcastic and he laughed and i said no no i don't think you understand i was like let me show you a video and i showed him a video of me doing one where i landed at 900 and it was very a lot like that one of dominguez at the, the king of earth finals and my grip slipped off and I just kind of like slid off neck and ended up just sat on the floor still with one foot on yeah. the pedal and one hand on the grip. Where you're just like, really? Like that close. Yeah. Okay? Um, and he's like, oh, no, no, no. Oh, I see. You. He's like, you're serious. He went, you know what? You need to like just not carve so much. Just tighten up that spin. Yeah. He, does, he go, did his pretty straight up like, and go down. Straight, straight up and down. I was like, oh, okay, okay good call. Cool. So I tried a few more straight up and down, still didn't pull one. And then I was like, because I noticed that trying to go straight up and down. The force of the spin still made me carve a little bit, so yeah. I still had the same problem. So I thought, well, maybe if I alley oop slightly, it will counteract the carve. And the first one I tried like that was the first one I pulled.
0: Yeah, it's like almost
1: like I did like a two foot alley oop into it, and then I, it's like I spun back onto my original line. I do
0: that with turn downs. If I do a turn down, yes, air, yeah, yeah, like exactly. I don't really alley because I can do an alley oop turn down, and you know it's going to drop in easier. Yeah, yeah. But you just pretend in your head. You do a slight, of course, like, and it pulls your body right.
1: You yeah. know, it's almost like I see like if you imagine like a rectangle sticking out at the top of the ramp, that's your, the line you're going on and you just head for the, for the top right corner for me yeah, yeah. Leap that way. Or if you turn the other way, you, you kind of like aim for that top corner, but then spin back down. Yeah. Yeah. To, no, to the the toy, that toy makes sense to me. Yeah. I, I was funny. I was talking to Matt about that and he's like, wow, you like really worked out a science about it. Didn't you?
0: Well, from talking uh, to you earlier, you guys, the, you worked out a science about <laughs> a lot of this stuff.
1: Yeah. And then, uh, um, so so yeah so then by like ninety one I remember ninety two I sold my car to pay for a trip to the states to go to a BS contest. Which BS contest was it? It was um, it was the one in Fe- not Phoenix Thrasherland Fe- yeah Thrasherland Thrasherland yeah in ninety two. That was, it was a the good one contest that I, I got like a clip or two in um, in Ride On from oh
0: yeah I, from that. Do you have like hold I, on let me guess because I'm I'm a nerd out okay. You do it's a nice pick or a nice grind or something. Nope. Fuck. You're riding a Condor, right? Nope. Okay, I'm this done. This pre-Hoffman
1: Bikes. Okay. I was riding, a, like, a yellow Bash god Haro Sport, and I do a candy bar on that video, and I kind of get my heel caught, but make it. And okay. I, and, and I can't remember what else. I think I have two clips.
0: I, n- I know which... Because I just watched Clowns Full of Hate, and you've got clips in that, too. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Hmm.
0: Oh, in the little know. vert part. You've cl- It's. I totally I don't, know the bike. I don't ever remember that. Okay. Okay, well, yeah, it was your first... So that was my my first contest in the states. What place and did you
1: get? I got fifth place behind Hoffman, Miron, McCoy, and Mirror. Was that Mirror's first pro? Comp it was Mirror's first year riding pro. Yeah. And it was like my first year like riding pro in America, kind of thing. Yeah. And then and he was newly on Hoffman bikes a month after that trip I was on Hoffman bikes so that's kind of like where I began with Dave we were like the same age we were the kids on the Hoffman team yeah the vert riders and, and mischievous little bastards the pair of us and I'm sure and we kind of I know I, I, I really liked Dave when I first met him we just it just seemed like we hit it off immediately yeah you know we were in, in the same space
0: in our lives kind of thing he was I mean you watched some of that footage of him when he was young it's insane so good like, so good yeah like his part in mm. Dorkin and York, four and a half, I think he's riding. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, he's got so many combos and his
1: pumps. so, like, for he, how... He-, he had this really determined pump and the things... I, I always give up when I lose my speed. I'm like, oh, I'm going to start again yeah. kind of thing. I'm, like, disappointed in myself. But Dave, I, I noticed this recently, he refuses to accept that. He pumps harder and gets back to height. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He, he really had this, Which just, takes a lot this, of energy. Which is incredible, and he keeps... And he can trick his way back up to height. And, and I can do that, and I learned it, but he just always, always yeah. did that. And I think that that was one of the things that made him such a great contest rider. It's... it's was that relentless ability to just keep...
0: Oh, especially doing tricks and getting your out, pumps. Yeah, like oh, just definitely. So
1: good, so good.
0: Yeah, it's so weird how much... Like, when you actually have a session with somebody, how much you can tell about that rider just from their pump. Mm-hmm. Like, you can just tell, A, what type of ramp they ride the most maybe what type of tricks they do just by kind of watching their sure, pump, you sure. know, there's dudes that ride way over the handlebars. There's dudes that let their bikes sink like crazy uh-huh. for, you, you know, it's so, yeah, no. no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's just, yeah. I always just notice that thing. Like when I, I watch people ride, you, you know, dudes will always have no, a different I'm, I'm technique. i with you.
1: I very much read people's body language yeah. like and like, and, and study it. And yeah.
0: Yeah. So, sure. um, so how did you just stay in the States for a short time? I mean,
1: I don't know. Never... was like, I came up for a month. I mean, I'm, I honestly, I sold my car I. I came back and had like zero to yeah my name.
0: you just wanted to get, get over there, there and see I where it...
1: like, i want to go to america so i was 18 i came to stay in san diego for a month yeah went to that contest at thrashland in arizona um just went to san diego fell in love with the place was riding you know made lots of new friends and everything yeah. but then by the time i went back to england i had no money left kind of got a job for a while um started riding for hoffman bikes um which back then Meant that I got free frame and forks and handlebars and yeah. two t shirts and a seat post. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but still, that was. <laughs> Which was badass back in the yeah. day. And I, I was so, so happy, so flattered that Matt would honour me. Oh, you know? those bikes. And, and you know, yeah. it, it was the best crew at the time. I was teammates with Dave Mirror and Matt Hoffman and Jay Miron, you know, and the rest of the Happy that crew, but just those names right there. It was insane. Like, how could I have not been yeah. happy and, and flattered? And, you know, it was, yeah. it was so great. Um, but then. It seems like for the for the rest, almost the rest of the 90s, I remember Jamie Beswick and I, we used to ride together here and there, would compete now yeah. and then, you know, but there wasn't much going on. BMX had all but died. I mean, in there'd the be the, 90s. Was it just
0: like the worlds in the, the 90s? And that right. Was about,
1: there'd be like the worlds, there'd be. And that the, right? The, the, there was. Um, a couple of the people in the UK BFA kept it going and they would have an event once or twice a year. Okay. So there was still some stuff going on. There would be the backyard jam started happening. So that was yeah. really the best event. I guess of the, the backyard year. jam. And, and, the- s- and honestly, I started dirt jumping a lot more because there was nothing going on with Vert. So I'd ride Vert, but I'd ride dirt jumps. I'd ride park contests. I think during the 1990s, at some point, I was like British dirt jumping
0: champion. I was like british park champion well i was gonna bring that I mean, you've always like, you've kind of you you wrote everything mm-hmm. kind of like you know i remember seeing like I, I mean you have footage of you were kind of riding everything in some of those old 70s videos and stuff okay, right
1: yeah probably
0: yeah i mean i i always kind of thought of you you know until like maybe i mean i mean th- i was
1: i was always a vert rider first yeah. and foremost that's that's the thing i love and the thing that i am but I've always been able to ride everything. Yeah. Like I have a lot more flatland tricks than most people. You know, <laughs> just, just so literally like a little bit of everything. Yeah. yeah, It's just, there's the thing I like. I mean, these days, to give you an idea, like where I live in North County, San Diego, we have, I think, seven vert ramps. And I rarely ride anything but a vert ramp anymore, yeah. anymore because I've spent my whole life trying to get here. And now that I'm here, You're take like, it, it, I'm like, well, I could go and ride a skate park or I could, but I'm just going to go to one of the vert ramps. Yeah. Because that's my thing and I well, like it. Well, it's know? freestyle. Like, <laughs> if that's what you want to do. But because to expend the same amount of energy of going to the skate park or going to the jumps or something, I could just go and have a really good vert session. Do it. And it's funny. And I spent years priding myself on riding everything. And honestly, these days, I don't really. Yeah. I pretty much just ride vert. I mean I'm sure I can and, and if I you know, I ever wanna every once in a while I'll I'll have I'll have a craving to go and ride a certain park or, yeah. or a certain thing or go and ride some jumps or something and I'll get it out of my system, then I'm back to the boot ramp.
0: Yeah. So before we before like kinda I, I guess we jump into like, you know, where the X Games started yeah, yeah, starting. Yeah. I still wanna kinda nerd out on some of that the the, the British some of those British riders that I think have got lost in the mix sure. you, you know because bmx is actually kind of well, I did, aging and... i did hear
1: last month something about there's talk about a, a british hall of fame which i love so it means these guys are yeah. going to get their recognition you know yeah I mean, and them their, their their contribution to the history
0: you guys could probably pull that off better because you're a t- smaller yeah, country it, it'd be and easier. It, it'd be easier
1: for sure but no, just some insane riders. that To this day, I think of the things they did and, and how high they could air. I mean, I, I posted a picture of Carlo Griggs last week.
0: Yeah, the one that the... Yeah. Oh, what's the dude? What's the dude's Dis- Instagram? Disco Jimbo. Yeah, he's got a bunch of old photos from back yes. then. yeah. What do you think... Okay, that photo of Carlos. How... What is he doing? 14? How did that ring I don't
1: know that it's fourteen. It's twelve feet plus, but the ramp's eight feet. But there's, it's the is casualness the ramp eight of, feet tall? Yeah, it's the casualness of the style. It's disproportionate. And to tough the size wheels of the ramp. on Skyway Tough Wheels with his sleeves rolled up, and then the next day I remember on that. How old and, and was he? That, he was fifteen at the time. <laughs> the next day I remember there was a height pole on the other ramp, and he went and cleaned thirteen. Out of I, an eight foot, of, but
0: out of an eight foot ramp.
1: Yeah, I mean. And even my, my friend, Scott Carroll, um, back in the day, Scott died in the mid-90s, but in the in the late 80s, early 90s, I was teammates with him on, on yeah. the Invert team, and um, he kind of, when I turned pro, it was under his wing, and, and we were thick as thieves, we were like the best of friends, we were like the worst behaved people ever, Yeah, just mischief, and we were horrible, you know, yeah. but just like in a silly, mischievous kind of a way, and... Um, Scott was just so incredible, so original. He had such an original take on things. And he, um, Mick Hudson and I, we, I remember we studied this picture we had of Scott once from, I think it was from 1988, riding this eight foot wide quarter pipe. And like we, we measured it to scale. We measured the ramp and like we scientifically, with a ruler, we measured the picture and we, we were like, it's 14 feet something. And, it, and he didn't have the same style and panache that Carlo had, but I think he went higher that's insane and then Lee Reynolds I saw him do a 13 you know when still in the late 80s like 89 I saw him go about 13 feet and that's unfathomable
0: now well, the ramps are so... now
1: you've got like Larry Edgar and maybe Morgan Wade and you've run out of
0: modern yeah Larry Edgar's got a wild pump like how he goes high like it's he and, and uh, Tommy Dugan as well yeah and uh, no. they, they they have a different
1: set of physics that apply to them i know this from riding with Tommy Dugan and riding the same Do thing as You feel like he him. approaches it like almost like a dirt jump but he airs no no he has bird bones you know how birds have light bones so they can go stay in the air that's tommy dugan's now tommy dugan has a very very light touch and he understands how to use the momentum
0: kind of like what we were talking right, about right, a little bit exactly. earlier exactly okay and
1: harness it and he's very the, very kind very, of like very the drop yeah 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 i've I rode this pool with him once and um i remember I'd, i hadn't ridden in a month i'd had a broken foot for like it'd been broken for nine months yeah and um And then I'd I'd crashed and broken my collarbone and had the surgery. It'd been the worst year of my life for injuries. And I'd taken a month off. And the first time back on a ramp was riding this pool with Tommy Dugan. And they had like a high air contest. It was at Pover's King of the Skate Park.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. A few years
1: back. And um, I um, I was trying to ride that pool. And Tommy went like three feet higher than me. And I could not understand how and why. And then when I got a bit healthier, like, my foot was better, I went back and, and rode that pool again. With I, I went and rode it with, with Brian Blyther, and I, I talked to him about, about Tommy Dugan, how I just didn't understand yeah. the magic. And, and, you know, who better to ask than Brian, yeah. you know, as far as studying and harnessing. And I remember that day I, I, I got to go, like, 11 or 12 feet out of this pool. Like, I figured it all out. Yeah. And I think it helped that I was healthier and strong and stuff. But I, he just... It was just really nice for me to see somebody their approach to the terrain and how they were able to extract speed and flow oh yeah and turn it into more and, and I just I mean I think when I posted that picture of Carla the other day I, I said something to this yeah. extent that there's nothing that I like more and impresses me more in BMX and seeing someone go really f- high but do it stylishly and land smooth like any other trick you can talk that's about how you, go high. You, you can keep it yeah to me that's that's the skill and that's the art and that, that's my single my single favourite thing I mean if you're if, and I'm not sure anyone could do it better than Carlo back in the day I mean I just Doming- Dominguez you know D- like, like like Matt was incredible in his way you know remains incredible there's all these incredible riders Lee Reynolds just this wild raw style like yeah. and a good style oh but yeah, yeah an edge to it Jerry Galley had an incredible oh, imp- oh my well, god yeah we haven't talked about Jerry oh yet, my but, god but, but, yeah but um but but Carlo, just Carlo. The only person I've, I've ever seen that had something similar was Mike Dominguez. I could see that. I it's could see almost that almost a nonchalance,
0: especially Mike. Like when he's like,
1: Diamond back and you see that AFA yes, footage of him just, exactly that just he, a rockish only, only he and Carlo could do that. That's so good. yeah, it is a, like, like Matt could do way more impressive things in different ways that were just insane. He was his own kind of insane, but I see what you're saying. But that special something that Mike D. And carlo could do i still don't know anyone that can do that it is but
0: spe- it is special that, that,
1: that effortlessness the, to
0: it the thing that almost is a shame is both of those dudes for what you know you know bmx if you if you're our age those are still names that you mm-hmm. you hold up high Maria, yeah but they're almost like you have the least amount of footage of them
1: and maybe that helps with the legends yeah, quite yeah honestly yeah, no. if, if, if they weren't overexposed you know like we and, and, we and all, it seems we like they were there for a win. minute and
0: then they pulled it's not like they stopped really riding or anything they just right. pulled
1: back well i think that nonchalance in their riding also was in their characters and yeah they weren't trying to be famous or they would like if, if they were still riding now they wouldn't have their own youtube channel for example no it, <laughs> it, they, they, they they weren't it was just attention and they were just very very good riders it and just they did seemed for them their way on their terms yeah and that just makes me respect them even more you know yeah. But it really, really does. I, I agree with you. But yeah, Jerry, like Jerry, Jerry Galley, he, he had a different style again. Um Jerry could go very high, could look very, very good. But I think what a lot of people don't don't realise, I remember Jerry way back into the, the late eighties yeah. before people he really came to prominence and people understood like the, the, the extent of his influence. Oh yeah and the importance of what he could do. He he used to be I, I don't want to use the word sketchy because he looked very good and he was very good, but he was very scary. On he, edge? He could go, like, 11 feet and land both wheels completely flat bottom and somehow get away with it, but then nosedive the next one.
0: Maybe but, a little Greg gear
1: in there? Th- yeah, there was just... He was the most exciting person to watch in that because you never knew what was going to yeah. happen. He, I- he, he was so raw and then, you know, and so stylish later on and, like, stylish from the beginning, but... Like, it's like he really got. He used to be a bit loose, I think. He's yeah. Slightly reckless, and it was when he tamed his recklessness that's when he really honed like like that beautiful style that that we came to know. Yeah. The know. Fir-
0: first time I saw him ride, because I had I recognized the name, and I, uh, we went to like Bristol. And me and one of my buddies went to Germany for a whole summer in '96, and we went to the worlds. Okay. So we're riding the vert ramp, you know. Just we were just over there being fucking assholes running around the whole time. But I remember seeing Jerry Galley ride, and I was just like, John, like, I remember elbowing me, he's like, it's a British Broughton Blither. you know, like, yeah, yeah, he yeah. was just like, <laughs> and John, John, like, stopped and was like, watch his front wheel, like, watch, mm-hmm. he's like, he's catching, and he was going so high, no pads, no nothing, no and- pads, no helmet, and
1: just, and, and his trick choice was nice, this is something I, I, I don't know that people talk about this much, and like, for me, trick choice became such an important thing because there were things i didn't necessarily like to do but i felt like i had to do like yeah spins and flares and stuff like that and then there were things that like trying to i spent years doing like supermans and no foot cancans until one day i was like well i don't enjoy doing them yeah i don't think i do them very well matt hoffman or jamie bestwick can do that why would i do that because really the tricks i want to be doing are and and i really really it really made me think about trick choice and just doing the things that I liked and playing to my own strengths rather than trying to be the guy, oh, well, I can do everything and checking all the boxes. Yeah. There's something dispassionate about that to me. As if like two plus two plus two is six rather than just doing one thing well. To, you yeah. Know, oh, yeah. No, I totally you know, get like, And I think as you... The less the less is more... And especially kind of as you thing.
0: get older writing, you're like, I want to focus on doing the best of this thing and the I The other can. thing,
1: the other part of that for me was, was I realized that because I always understood everything I do rather than oh well I've learned that trick I can do it now let's learn a new trick that yeah. became exhausting somewhat fleeting to me and I was like well what if I could take one of my tricks and do it twice as well because it could anything I do could be done twice as well and I start. I, I became obsessed with the notion of inward progression so rather than trying to learn 30 new things every year
2: yeah.
1: I worked on the same 15 and tried to make them 30 times better yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean Like rather yeah, than totally. just go oh new next next there's something like very like short attention span about that having to learn a new trick Is that every kind
0: helped you dial in the 900 a little
1: mm, no i i, I don't know no that was <laughs> that's a different story i think i i, I yeah i kind of i loved my journey with 900s but i came to hate them it, it became like a, i i made like a um a rod for my own back with
0: that. Yeah, I was going to say, was it a monkey on your back after it, it a while? It was absolutely a monkey on
1: my back. Like, people expected at every contest. Every, every contest, brand, yeah. Um, I would get to a ramp and drop in for my first run of the day and someone would shout 900. And it was like, I, and I, but I couldn't not do them. And I knew that. And, and, and I wore it well, so I would always do them. Yeah, You know, and it was like an insecurity thing. And then if I didn't do one at a contest, heaven help me, I'd drop five places. Do you know what so, I mean? So and, it, and then also, because I did so many of them, they... Wouldn't it, rank you it, high enough it diluted the value. I remember, yeah. I remember, like getting beaten by people like Kevin Robinson or John Parker with tricks that historically have turned out to be not nearly as difficult or as good or whatever. Yeah. But I only did a nine hundred, but like Parker did a double tail whip.
0: Yeah, and
1: it's like now there's fifty thousand people who can do double tail whips, but there's still only three that can do that. No- you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. It, it was just, it was weird like that. So I ended up and, and I hurt myself so much. I broke more than twenty bones on that trick over the years. I've had, I've had like facial plastic surgery. I broke my nose. I've I've broken collarbone. I've had surgery for that. Um, More stitches than I can remember. Lots of like, I've had like 25 stitches in my face from stupid 900s. It's just like, what a, you know, and, and and, I remember when I decided one day, the last one I did, I crashed and broke both hands because I was trying so hard to nose dive in to keep my speed in the contest. I did it from a trick on the wall before, and I was completely planning to do something the same height and keep tricking the next wall and keep well, going. Yeah. And I totally took my eye off the ball because I realised that no one cares if I do a six foot one and land heavy. It's not impressive anymore. Yeah. There's a certain bar that I'd set for myself, and if I couldn't do them that way, I didn't want to do them at all. So um, and I remember the last one I did, I was so focused on that. Trying to nosedive so hard, I didn't really spin enough. I came in, I landed front wheel first, and just punched the ramp with both hands. Broke both hands. Yeah. And I remember Brian Foster just like laughing at me afterwards, like in a, like he wasn't being a dig, like he he was like you know sympathising with me and everything. But just like how I was. He was just like Simon, what the hell? And I explained everything I've just told you, and he's like, what the hell were you thinking? Like yeah. what's wrong with you? And I was like, no, you're right, I'm an idiot. And I was like, you know what? I quit. I quit 900s. I'm not doing 900s anymore. How long was that? This is like 2014, maybe yeah. uh, 13, 14, yeah, and and no, 2013. And I was like, that's it. I quit 900s, and I, I said it out loud to myself. I'm not doing 900s anymore. And then I told a couple of my friends to call myself out. And then so I told Matt Hoffman. I was like, hey, Matt, um, I, I I decided I, I quit 900s. I'm not doing them anymore. And I remember Matt paused for thought for a second, and he looked at me, looked deep in the eye, and he went, good. He, no, good, he understood. Yeah. You, he's like no, it's time. He's like you've done enough. No, that's good. He's like you know what Simon 900 is the only trick that every time you do them it's like it's your first time. It's the uh, yeah. wildest thing. I, he's like no no it's good that you stop. And I was like really. Like I thought he was going to And that's it coming the from the man that doesn't that was, stop. that was coming from the, the from Matt. Yeah, yeah, relentless he he doesn't Hoffman, stop. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I was like, thanks so much. Like, like Matt can see it on you, but he can't sometimes pull it to it, him. And you was, know? as
1: you said, the monkey was off my back. Yeah. it released me. And I was like, stop being insecure about your riding. I feel like the rest of my riding had caught up by then. It'd been a great door opener for me all yeah. these years, being the 900 guy, whatever that meant. And I was like, well, what will happen if I, because I remember the day before that like, contest in qualifiers, I'd got second in qualifiers behind Jamie. And I was trying to like, keep it down. I didn't want to beat him in qualifiers and then have to ride after him. And I, I got, and I didn't do a 900, but, yeah. but I was like, I kind of like, I was killing it without 900s, and then the next day when I tried to do a 900, I got last place, because I crashed, and everything else became tense and compromised, yeah. because I was obsessed with that one stupid trick, and I was like, it's time, I have to stop.
0: You pulled more than probably anybody on the face
1: of the planet. Matt that talked to me about this last night, because um, someone said, do you still keep, track of them because i used to keep track of them because it was so special to me yeah yeah i was like i wonder if i can okay the story with that i asked miran in the early 90s how many 900s do you think you've done and he said i don't know like 50 or 60 i was like whoa Whoa.
0: i pulled one in the early 90s In the early 90s he's so fucking crazy i was like what the hell so then
1: late 90s the next one i pulled was at the san francisco x games yeah okay and I, i think i was in like 13th place after my last run and it was all or nothing to make the final and I landed one, my front tire blew out, but I still rode away. Yeah. And I made it into the final in ninth place. And I pulled another one in the final, and I think I, I got third or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then I pulled one. I think you got a
0: cover from that contest. Uh, I think San, San Diego. Oh, okay.
1: Oh, oh, on, oh, maybe I did, maybe, maybe. And then um, I remembered that after that, I think a week after, I pulled another one at another contest. And by the end of the year, I'd pulled like 10. And yeah. say like, you know what, I'm gonna start writing them down. Each yeah. first one was one. this one, second one was and I noted where I'd done them and when and, and started counting. And then I remember mentioning to somebody I got I got I was like, I'm gonna see how possible it is to get to Jay's fifty or sixty. It's gonna be impossible, but let's yeah. see. And I passed fifty. And then I, and then I talked about it enough to like enough people knew like, oh you keep track like how many are you up to yeah, and all yeah. that. And it was a silly little like a, a silly little obsession, but yeah. it was more like a memento for me, you know? Yeah, yeah. But then it, it kind of got out of control. And then um, I remember Morgan Wade's wife, Natalie, I talked to her once about, about counting 900s. Yeah, yeah, She'd read an interview or something, and she said, that year at the X Games when I did back-to-back 900s, I did like one into another no, one. I remember it, she yeah. She was like, so, that was 99 and 100, wasn't it? I was like, i don't know i was like i kind of i kind of stopped counting i don't know she's like no no because remember we talked then and you had done that many and then you did this one and then this one so therefore you must have been up to um that's crazy like you were at 98 when you tried that and so i thought i was like oh no you're right so it turned out that 99 and 100 were in the same thing. run and then at 100 I, I, I god knows how many i did after that i kind of oh, stopped crazy. counting after that
0: and you've done alley of nines too right Yes, do you know Matt and I talked about this last night? As Let's well. hear it. Yeah.
1: I um yeah I started doing. Alup, I remember the worlds in Germany in two. Let me see when was that? Ninety nine or two thousand? I was wait ninety two thousand It was. I tr- I'd, I'd had the idea because I'd started doing. I'd figured out Alu five forties and I'd yeah. started doing them, and then a couple of other people had learned them, and, and I was like. So I was doing 900s and alley-oop 540s. And as we talked about, I did alley-oop a little bit into my 900s. So, you know... You are t- like, I should be able to pull it. The logic's there. So I tried one at that contest and I got really, really close. And so I tried another one and pulled it. Yeah. And then, so I was like, I can do alley-oop 900s. And then I remember for a couple of years after that, I, I did alley-oop 900s. But when I took my brakes off, I haven't done one since, which was 2003. Did you pull
0: your brakes on 9s?
1: Yes. I, and that was the biggest thing I was scared about. Like when I decided to take my brakes off, it was uh, and there's a, there's a long backstory about the hows and the whys I did that. But I was like, well, what am I going to lose? Like a boo because, um, <laughs> manuals are going to get really hard. And I went through all of the things that I used my brake on, and I was, but there were like five things, and I didn't really use my brake anyway. Yeah. But the the, the attraction, I, I was like, you know what? Let's just try it. But the one I was most worried about was 900s because I always used to land with my brake on to tag the landing. You're just a tinker. Just, a just little, so I didn't yeah. loop out or whatever, but it would like, it would anchor you and then oh, you yeah, ride right yeah. away from that. The safety belt. Right, exactly. I, that's why Absolutely. I have my brakes on. Safety I don't
0: belt. If I don't get to ride for a while and I wrote, do an air, My got so the safety I was kind belt. of
1: terrified. So here's what happened. The first one I tried was because I took my brakes off like the week before the Gravity Games that year in 2003. Um, and so I flew out to go to the gravity games in cleveland and then i was going on tour with the tony hawks boom boom Hop jam for two months after yeah that. so i was like by the end of these two months i'll know whether i can ride brake loss or not so i didn't pack any brakes on that trip um and so that gravity games i tried 900 without the brake and those dived in better than normal and pulled really? perfectly i was like oh i realized i just figured out what happened the whole time i've been pulling my brake in the air stopped my cranks from spinning stop me from moving my pedals keeping your front end up right and so i'd always land a little bit back wheel and tag it with the brake but by doing that it freed up my body motion in the air and it helps me nose dive them a little bit it was the best thing i ever did for the oh wow. so they just got better that's when i really i stopped doing like the six foot 900 land heavy ride away and started like nose diving them and coming out of them with some speed and yeah and i did some like i did i remember doing one into like a head height turned down 540 or something like it, it started to work you know yeah and it just worked in its favor oh, now wow. to talk about the brake thing i i had this con- i drove back from the south of france once from one of the first fizz contests and we drove all through the night it was like a 20 something hour drive yeah and everyone had fallen asleep, and my friend Seb and I, we were driving, and we had this long conversation about the idea of... I loved the idea of how creative skate, how much more creative skateboarders were on halfpipes. Yeah. And I hated where all we vert riders had arrived at, which was we'd drop in, do three set of airs, do a big tabletop, do some no-footed variations, do a Ken Ken, do a 540 land heavy, do some lip tricks, then do one big last trick and crash. Yeah. That's what we all did, and it was in a straight line in the middle of the ramp, maybe one alley-oop, and it was really boring, and I was like, it's time i've got to evolve past that and like i would spent my whole life on ramps with skateboarders and i was always really taken with how creative a skateboarder could could be and how they could take this blank canvas and make it into this intricate complex thing you know, mm-hmm. be all around the ramp and you just never knew where they were going to be there's a skateboarder in the 90s from denmark he's still around that like rune Glyffberg. yeah yeah who really really pioneered this with me watching Rune and being on trips with him like one wall he'd be like He'd do like a front side nose bone, and it'd be like an optical illusion, like he was boning in the front of his skateboard off the side of the ramp. Then like a full width lip trick, and then a 540 in the other corner. Then something back again, and he's back in that corner. You never know, what, knew where he was going to be yeah. or what his line was, and it was so incredible. And then the BMX would drop in at the same event and just do everything in a straight line in the middle of the 60-foot wide ramp, and it was kind of embarrassing to me that that's what we were. Yeah. So I was like, so a skateboard has no pegs, it has no brakes, no pad, it's the simplest implement I was like what if I stripped my bike back I remember hearing a story about Dennis McCoy forcing himself he took his I, I don't know if this is true I think I did ask Dennis about this once but I heard this rumour that he'd taken his pegs and his brakes off to force him to do more airs mm-hmm. so that he didn't lip cause, cause do lip tricks so he'd always go to his default and start doing lip tricks it would force him to and I loved that idea so I put all of these ideas together and I was like talking to my friend on this long drive through the night like what if I took my pegs off and my brakes off and do this, and, and we were like, "How far could we take this? Could you like get rid of your cranks and your chain? No, it's probably too far. Because you but, want, you still want to be able to enjoy it. Yeah, the bike. yeah. We're, we're, we're like, but how far could we strip it back as a half-pipe rider to just make it adaptable and you learn different? Because if you can't grind on your pegs, you're gonna have to find a different way to do lip tricks and all of this. And if you can't rely on your brakes and da da da." And then, so it was the beginning of, like, the best idea I've ever had in my whole
0: life in BMX, which is how do I evolve into this creative thing? Now, do you think sometimes... Because I've skate friends, and we've had similar conversations. Uh Do you think now sometimes the... Two things. Do you think sometimes the shorter wheelbase on a skateboard opens that ramp up a little more for them? And two, do you think... I, I always feel... I love lip tricks on verts the uh-huh. fa- like when you watch Jay ride a vert ramp right when Miron does full speed
1: full width insane
0: and he's just using it you know
1: and, th- and this was part of it I noticed that it was only really Mirror and Miron who could keep their speed doing lip tricks but yeah. the rest of us had to slow down so part of this my grand scheme was I don't want to have to slow if I have to slow down yeah, yeah. for it then I'm wasting my time I'm just always I'm,
0: wondering if that shorter wheel based on a skateboard helps them like navigate it a little uh, you know like mm, we're, I yeah. told see you what you're saying I,
1: I could use that as an excuse but yeah. it was, for me it was like how do I overcome this yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah, wasn't yeah. like, why,
0: why do we no, do this? No, 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 was it, was like, just, it just popped in my head. Yeah, yeah, was just yeah like... for
1: sure, for sure. No, and, and so so the thing with, like, taking the brakes and pegs off and not slowing down for anything. And yeah. So so to start with, I just took the pegs off, which would force me to stay in the air. I was like, I was like who cares if I do a peg grind in a contest? No one's interested. Yeah, they yeah. want to see 10-foot airs on a vert ramp, period. I should be doing 10-foot airs. So that focusing, but I was too scared to take the brake off. Here. Then Matt Hoffman took his brakes off. I was like, well, I can't do it now because it just looks like you're I'm copying f- yeah, Matt, yeah. like everything else in vert. It's like, oh, I'm just copying what Matt does. And I'm trying to not be that. So it went for a little while. Then I had this backyard halfpipe a couple of years later, and Zach Shaw was riding, he was at my house, yeah. and his, his brake lever got caught in a ruffle in his uh. jeans, and he landed still in a turndown and snapped the ball off his elbow. And I always remember my mum was visiting as well, and she was sat like on, on on the patio reading a book, and it happened like 10 feet uh. away, right next to her like this horrifying thing. And Zach said, you know what? That, I, that can never happen again. I'm going to take my brakes off when I start riding. And I was like, "Oh, I'll do it with you. I, 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 in fact, let's do it right now. So I took my, so this is the day after he's had his surgery and he's, he's rehabbing at my house for a few days. So I took my brakes off that day and went out to the ramp. I was like, come on, let's go see, see what, what we're dealing with. And I just rode for like half an hour and as, as many tricks as I could think of without brakes. I was like, it works. It's the best thing <laughs> ever. It you, works.
0: I tried riding without brakes a few times. Well, I never used to pull them much anyway. I, yeah, I just, so. I, re-
1: I never rode like with my fingers covering the lever. I, I, I always, I always do this. Ripped.
0: But then I realized when I rode without them, how much. Like I bet you, if you watch, I'm always reaching out, okay. like air touch, well, touch. The thing is,
1: if you put me on a bike with a brake, I start using it again. Yeah, and, and all my old habits come back in because I, I had this idea that. If my finger's on the brake lever, then there's tension running all through my finger, up my arm, into the shoulder, down one side of my body, there's tension. It, and that's not
0: conducive with it, what I'm trying to do and trying to when be. When you do that, your body goes right back in that old training because it knows, of course, you know. Of
1: course. So, so I kind of made the, had this whole idea... I, you know the the peg thing had been great for a while and i noticed that it did change a little bit people stopped slowing down to do their lip yeah. tricks like we we knew about the lip tricks and we liked them but who cared and unless you were jay Miron doing a full speed full How you ice ice kick, r- right then, <laughs> then it didn't count anymore and it it, it, it was kind of good it, it like focused us in yeah. a little bit so then when the brakes came off it was i realized immediately it was the most liberating thing i'd ever done I loved it. Oh, yeah, Like, I like all of the tension disappeared out of my riding. I feel like all of my body English improved, everything about it. And that's when I feel like my real BMX riding started, you know? I mean... And and, and, and you understand, it was all I was obsessed with, learning opposite way no. stuff, and I loop stuff at the time. I was trying to expand more. It forced me. That's when I started learning tire slides.
0: You definitely seem like, from the outside looking in, you know, you definitely, like, if I looked at it, I feel like there is two different two eras on my my riding Uh, yeah like sure like i'm like there's this but yeah i totally see it because there is that that second era where you can totally tell you moved everything too for
1: for for years that for almost 10 years that followed this so my brakes have come off and everything that's been 15 years now with no brakes wow and and it liberated me it changed everything i never want to put brakes on my bike i don't think and then so for years but then i was still doing flares and turn down flares and bar spin catch bar spin bar spin to x up and no hands to bar spin and all this stuff and it was all still stuff. I had to slow down. I couldn't be twelve feet out. You doing, couldn't, doing couldn't like, put a full pump into it. I remember doing like no-handed five forty to late bar spin, and I remember trying one like nine feet and crashing. Like I realized I couldn't do it nine feet. I had to do it like six. Because it messed up the spin or something. Just it was too much. It was horrifying. Yeah. It, it it was <laughs> you know, it was too much. Like whatever. <laughs> and um and I just. I began to hate my riding more and more and more and more and more. Damn. The things I was doing, because I was the same as everybody else. I do a flare and an opposite flare and a turn down flare and a tabletop flare. Yeah. And my flares had stopped being... Like, at one point, I could do them, like, seven or eight feet, like, my head seven or eight feet above coping, and all do of a sudden... You flares still? I I could probably... I mean, we could go. I could probably go. Oh, yeah, yeah, but you're not like... But I don't want to. Okay. I I actively try to not do a flare. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, But I noticed that I was doing those long, low ones, and who cares about that? Yeah. You know, and I was just like, I want to do things that I like. And so that was around 2012. I decided to stop doing all the... I was like, stop doing the tricks you don't like. And that's when I really honed in on my, like, my 10 or 15, like, the loves of my life, like, the tricks that I love, love, love to do. Like made my tabletops better like just you know my fives um all of the all of that kind of stuff and then i honestly it, it, hand on heart i believe that anything before 2012 i have no pride in i don't want to talk about oh, i do really i get much. it to, uh, cause i get from because i went i remember i went to india for a month doing shows yeah and that was the trip where I just decided to make all of these bold decisions and come home and only be the person I wanted to be and be happy and all of that. I like the way and, you and, look and, at it. I and, mean, and, and I came back and I was just like, I'm going to take the gamble. I'm probably going to get last at every competition. I'm probably going to lose every sponsor. And I remember the first contest I rode. Were was, you riding
0: for Trek Trek then? Or? No, no, this, no, is, Marcus, no, this Marcus, is like, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. this is
1: 2012. This is way past that. Oh, okay. Yeah, so 2012, I I rode for no bike company. Okay. I have the rode for like Rockstar and Vans. Yeah, okay. And I remember I went to the X Games and I beat Jamie and. Prelims by like seven points or something. Like I got first and he wow. got second, and I was like, "Wow, it seems like the less I do, better things go." Yeah. And I did like a tabletop, a one-handed tabletop, a tabletop fight. Like I did nothing, no yeah. 900s, nothing, you know. And i was just like, "Wow, this is I've never been happier with my riding. Yeah. I feel like I'm still the same rider today as that guy from that day, but it, I've evolved. I've continued on that path. That's been my choice. Like he went to and, India and
0: did some weird yoga and came You know, it's so
1: funny. I remember, I remember people were always like, oh man, you know.'" people got to india and, and they'd change and then, and it just happened to be that was on that trip you know i yeah. don't know that it's india that made made me do that i'm not saying i had a spiritual <laughs> awakening but i remember being so happy on that trip and just coming home and deciding the only thing i wanted to be in my life was happy yeah and grateful and you know so it probably yeah, was yeah. india you know? I, I mean
0: i could totally see that you but, but i
1: came back and just just kind of like i think just leaving the first world for a while allowed some yeah. perspective on the life that i lived and you know my friendships and relationships and my riding and everything and I just came back with a, with I know the clearer perspective on what I wanted to be to other people and to stop trying to do things to impress sponsors and other people yeah. and I'd always like playing to other people's expectations. I was like, I just have to make me happy because you kind of battled that I, the whole yeah, time. The whole time I've always, yeah. I where I come from in in the northwest of England, everybody's so sarcastic and in many ways, I, like I always talk about like what a cruel upbringing it was. So it was very cool and it was very. So Good it's in some ways. Rainy just, and grey all the but time. But just, just the culture, there's just something about it, everybody trying to keep you down. You weren't allowed to dream and have hopes yeah. and, and be happy and positive. Because they it, didn't want no you to do No one liked you for that. You yeah. know? They, they all wanted to keep you down to push themselves up. That's just how the society felt and I had to... It took me most of my life to fight my way out of that. Yeah. You know? And BMX was the vehicle that I was able to use to get out, you know, cause all I ever wanted to be was happy and have fun.
0: I mean, that's, you know? that's why it's such a good, my favorite, my favorite, one
1: of my favorite quotes, John Lennon, um, I guess there's some quote that he said that when he was at school, he was asked to write an essay about what he wanted to be. or he was asked what did he want to be when he grew up? And he said, I want to be happy. And the teacher said, I don't think you understand the question. And he said to the teacher, I don't think you understand life. Wow. Yeah. And, and like how powerful is that? You know, it just, just, he just wanted to be happy in spite of everything. Well, do you want to be an accountant? Do you want to be a rocket scientist? Or do you want to be a BMXer? I just want to be happy.
0: Yeah. Like, no, I, can't, I, I
1: can't think of a better ambition. And if your life was that simple. So I, I think that's what happened to
0: me. And then you took that into your bike riding and made it simple. And Because the
1: bike, there's nothing more pure to me in my life than my bike riding. And you know, and I wanted it to feel that way. I, I was sick of everything I'd done to myself, trying to live up to expectations and thinking about competitions and sponsors and, and what the BMX world might yeah. may or may not think of me. I mean, so I, I just stopped yeah. it. I was like, I, I remember having a, an epiphany when I was like 15 before I did all those tricks. I had a really good bag of tricks, really good trick choice back then. Yeah. And I actually kind of reverted back to all my favorite tricks from back then. It's just I'm a bit more grown up. I feel like I can do them a little bit better now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess sometimes I do this, Like, I'll look at my writing sometimes and, uh, you know, you'll get hurt and, you, you you know, you're always trying to chase that same Dragon. after you get hurt right instead like i'll get pissed i'm like i'm not like as good at ice grinds i can't go ice grind like an enormous court like i can but you know i'll play like some little thing in my head instead of just being like i just need to go just enjoy it mm-hmm. and let whatever happens happens instead of always like after an injury or something going right back into the being like the, hard the, the, hard the race yourself. you okay, know and that's the
1: thing is i felt like I pushed myself like with my own self ambition for like thirty years to be better and better and better, and I was exhausted. I was like, enough! Yeah. I don't care anymore. I'm not trying to be the champion. I never was, you know. I'm not trying to be the best. Or I, I. I why am I so concerned what other people think? Yeah. I just need to be happy. Yeah. And then that's really come into my riding. And then I'm kind of a hermit in the BMX world, in that. I just hide away in North County San Diego with all the skateboarders that <laughs> I'm like the I'm their surrogate token bike rider friend. Yeah, you know they just it's not skateboard or BMX. It's Simon and they you just, just they well that's the way and who, that's the way I it am, should be. You know? Just everybody uses you I, know and I never really ride with other BMXers and so therefore I don't really see that I get influenced by them that much. I definitely get influenced by the skateboarders and and like half the trick ideas I have are suggestions from my yeah. friends that skate like we were like, talking I, like, about earlier yeah, yeah. yeah like, like I, I started doing um i've been doing tire slides for a long time and i was trying to push I, I started thinking about i wonder if i could do a one-footed tire slide yeah and i figured it out and i learned how to do one foot tire slides and then um a couple of months back i was i was just i was riding um the ramp and i kind of found myself in the corner and i went to do the one foot tire slide but i had nowhere to go i was on the edge of the ramp so I went straight up and down like four feet, but did the exact same thing. So I did like a four-foot air, and at the peak, I took my foot off and landed and body jarred one-footed. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Oh no, you have to go through with it. I realised what what I'd done wrong, and I just did it anyway. probably from
0: like, watching skaters do, what is that like a Madonna? A Madonna, yeah, yeah. yeah. And,
1: and I was like, "Oh my god!" I just I just come up with a new trick, and that's completely oh like because I know for years there's there's a couple of us that body jar type yeah, tricks. Yeah. zach sure and i we talked endlessly in the 90s like how do we do a bike madonna you can't it's impossible yeah it, it's hard and, when and people try ever, to compare the and, tricks and zach always does like a one footer puts his foot back on and then does a body yeah, jar, yeah okay and i was always like like i could do those and i'll do like a no-handed body jar or whatever and i was like but it's not the, it's not what we were trying to do it's just it's a one footer to late body jar yeah whatever. But then I was like, oh, my God, it's happened. But that's just being around the skateboarders all the time. rather And then no, I will no, wear bike rides and we're doing bar spins today. Do you see yeah. what I mean? I'm just in a yeah. in a different environment and it, it, it's affecting me, influencing me, I guess. But just, um, yeah, so I've just been off on this journey. when I finally got happy with myself. like just wanted to be happy in my riding. And I was like, let's just start evolving the tricks that I like to do. Like a lot of the body jar stuff, yeah. the tire slide stuff. And trying to, like, lately I've been obsessed with this thing where... I'll carve like an opposite air and then I'll eat 540 out of it on the next wall. So it's and, like four and it's opposite like the, it's of the... It's like, I hate to use like this big pretentious word, but it's like the juxtaposition of the spins and no, the directions yeah, yeah, I see and all of that. Because it and, probably feels crazy. And, and, and I remember telling John Over, I had this idea years ago. I love the idea of being able to do a whole run without taking any limbs off or any doing any think that could be perceived a trick yeah but just being shapes and directions and spins yeah because how good would you have to be to be that to have the courage to be like to lay your riding that bare and that that was always part of this as well getting rid of the brakes and 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 the the pegs and all of that it was like trying to get rid of the gimmicks yeah and just be honest and pure and because then you could look at it i'm not trying to trick you with like with three extra bar spins to make it look impressive yeah i what i do either looks good or it doesn't do you see yeah. what I mean? And these were like... I, it was like painting myself into a corner, making it so difficult for myself that I would have... I have no choice but to progress and, and make it look good.
0: Well, that opposite air, like into that Alley of Five, it's probably that motion... Probably feels so much different when you go into that. It's insane to
1: how hard it was to learn. That. Yeah, because, because it I have to do it the opposite to air different. different. It, it changes the trajectories and all yeah. this. But then you start learn like learning and dealing that way. Like where you have to put your head on the opposite air and the angle at which you have to re-enter the ramp in, to to lead you into the aloop correctly yeah. is so different to what you would normally just do on an air in that direction. And that in itself became a trick, but you can't put a name on that trick. It's yeah, not, it's meaningless. It's nothing. It's just linking A to B. But that became like the focus on the way I'm trying to progress and just trying to, I just want to, I like the idea that if some, okay, I always think there are riders, you watch them and they can do really impressive things. Like, you know, they can do a bar spin, catch bar spin to late Tail Whip and you can be like, wow, that was, that's clearly so difficult from Mm -hmm. that description. Okay. And you watch it and it's so impressive. Um, But then there are other people... So, so you watch them and you see them and you are impressed. But there are other people you watch them do things, and it might not be as difficult as the Barsman to Barsman to Tailwhip, but you feel them the whole time they're in the round. When you watch Dennis McCoy, yeah. you watch everything he does. When you watch Jerry Galley back in the day, when you watch Mikey Aitken, you feel yeah, everything yeah, that yeah. you feel their riding, and they take you on this journey where you almost you don't even think about taking a breath. Like when, the whole when time Mikey you watch would hit them. a jump,
0: you'd almost yeah. breathe in and like let out like but, the way but, he's moving his bike through it. So
1: it's almost like on their blank canvas. It's just, Mikey's just like three very simple, elegant brush strokes. Yeah. Whereas somebody else is making up this very complex, like pixelated picture. Yeah. Used, you know, which is equally impressive, but it's not somehow. It doesn't have that special something that gets under your skin. Yeah. And, and I identified this a long time ago. Like the riders that I like, they make me feel something when I watch them. Yeah. Whereas there were other guys who are clearly the best BMX riders in the world but they, they, it does nothing for me. I watch them and it's just building blocks. It's two plus two yeah. plus two plus two equals ten.
0: And it is freestyle. And I mean, it's, and, like, and, and it's you, freestyle. It's and, like how you perceive the right, mess, We're not you know? meant to be the
1: same. We're all meant to yeah, be different yeah. and all of that. And, and so all of this, this is just my journey in trying to be the rider that I want to be. Yeah. That can and
0: have I the think, most well, fun. And that's and, lost a lot nowadays in BMX. I mean, what's... Who uses the word freestyle anymore? You know, (laughs) let's put the, let's put free back in freestyle. Like people, when we were younger, we were raised on that. I mean, it sounds silly, but you were like, I'm a freestyler. freestyler. I'm a freestyler. I can, this bike, you know, you were read in the magazines because people would write so much stuff about soul riding and stuff. It's like, make it yours, make it. And nowadays it's BMX, which I get.
1: For a long time we wouldn't even admit it's BMX. We're like, no, that's bicycle, motorcross, yeah, that's, that's racing, racy. that's a different thing. But I where think that's that's our generation. Bicycle, freestyle. Like something happened when it when you know, you know, Shad, I think there's there's a bigger picture here is labels don't work. I've I've been obsessed yeah. with the notion recently that that I was reading this thing about the concept of national identity. For example, you're an American. Mm-hmm. I'm British. Yeah. That's meaningless. My name's Simon and your name is Chad. I and I like you or I don't. I don't care what oh colour. I don't care if you're a Muslim Dude. or if you're an American or if your skin is this colour or that colour. It's what it's like are you a dick or are you cool that's what gotcha. i'm interested in i was just i was just and, saying and, this. and even with freestyle and racing and these these pigeonholes it's insecurity it's just as a, it's a human condition it's yeah. a thing we do to quantify and oh well i know well, you know Chad. he lives there and he's this and he does this and he's one of those oh okay i know who he is now and I, yeah and it's like no you know, Shad, I, yeah, know. I was We're just saying the the same thing, to, thing like
0: him. to keith earlier because i was like so many people nowadays you meet them or you look at their social media or this and I think with it all, everybody's got like labels for themselves. Mm -hmm. Like before you meet someone, they want you to know all these labels. And I'm like, I don't even want that. My I have one label and my mom gave it to me. It's Shad. Yeah. If you want to get to know that, and you'll, the, and, and you'll know nice. all the stuff I love about that me. notion.
1: That it's like having the courage. to like, just look, you, you're gonna like me or you're not, and that's okay. Yeah. I, either way, but I am just what I am. Yeah. Just get who I get am. to know me,
0: and you'll know all but that. I've, other This stuff. is
1: kind of a lot to do with what I've tried to do with my riding. Yeah. You know, we're talking about freestyle and racing or skateboarders. It's like it's not. My name's Simon. I ride with some guys. Like the guys I ride with most of the time are called like Jimmy and Paul, Luke and Tony. Yeah. There's these people, and that's all we are. We're, we're friends that meet at this ramp yeah and we do our thing whatever it is and then we go home and we'll text yeah. each other i'll text you tomorrow to see if we're gonna ride again you know just yeah it, it's I no know, it's, i i love that because I, I, I have a good story i want to tell you actually you made me think about with um the freestyle and race label yeah like i've always been as i mentioned i've always been very very good friends with Stephen Murray, and um i um we were having this conversation once he he made me laugh so much we were talking about like what do you think about so-and-so? so and so so i remember Stephen said to me once we we're talking about someone's riding he said he's a bit freestyle isn't he And this is as Stephen, because Stephen's a racer. He became a dirt jumper. Yeah, he became like a trail rider. He's like, no, that guy's obviously very good because he can do this and this and this, but he's a bit freestyle, if you know what I mean. Meaning, you know, like you think pegs, elbow pads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, totally, yeah. All all of that. And and I understood what he said and and I laughed and and I was like, he's a bit freestyle. I was like, do you know what, Stephen, you're freestyle. He was like, fuck off, I'm not freestyle. (laughs) Like, I'm pushing his buttons, he's my friend, I know what I'm doing. I'm like, no, no, you are. I was like, think about it. Once upon a time, there was bicycle motocross, there was BMX. All right then there was a fork in the road because you're either a racer or freestyle was born from people doing tricks on their bmx bikes yeah so when you stopped racing and started doing the the king of dirt contest at at the races you were doing jumps you were doing tricks you became freestyle there and then that's like so so by your by virtue of your own definition steven you are freestyle he was like fuck off tabron
0: (laughs) (laughs) i I always like that yeah it's it's weird how I mean, just the definitions of the words have changed. Like when I was younger, freestyle, freestyle. But you could say nowadays, you're like, oh, that guy's freestyle. But it could almost be like derogatory. You're like, he's fully padded up and he's not, he's, out there and
1: you know what Stephen's saying because steven steven is in the purest sense is a racer who knows how to take a corner and can ride through three like three pump bumps before he hits the jump he has yeah. that skill set as opposed to a guy who's really good in a straight line at a box jump because he learned something at camp woodward yeah he, he's just differentiating between, oh, yeah, between yeah, yeah. the two, and one's not right and one's not wrong but a racer a good racer clearly has a different skill set you can and, and this is this a friend of mine a freestyle motocross guy told me that this exists he, he told me how he breaks up freestyle motocrosses. He's like, you can see the guys that used to race. You can see you, just oh, the yeah. way they take the corner when they approach the jump. And then I wish see, I raced. And then I you see little. the guys yeah. who are just a straight line. Like they can they can do a cliffhanger backflip, but they can't really take a corner.
0: Um, I never, know. It's I never raced. I, I you. I know when I ride, you can look at me and go. That dude's never raced,
1: but also I I always feel like you can you can spot the guy that used to ride a lot of flatland and then became oh yeah you know, no you ugh, can you ugh, can ugh, all, ugh, all, of, all but of that. just
0: like we were talking about with the watching a dude's pump and stuff like you can see their if you've rode for a long time and you watch somebody ride you can see their bare roots show through yeah for sure you're for like sure.
1: It's so well that's something i have so obsessively studied like the notion of um, I remember um, riding with Kevin Robinson once and Kevin Kevin was. Was like a powerhouse for a while, you know. He used to be a bodybuilder and all of that, and and that kind of came out in his riding a bit. And you know, he'd muscle his way through things. and I remember seeing him drop in once, like like pedal full tilt across the top of the ramp, drop in, pump, 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 do like an eight foot air, land low, and go four feet the second wall. Yeah. And I, and I was like, hey, Kevin, can I say something? Like, as your friend, I'm I'm not being, I don't mean to be like a dick here, but can I can I just I just noticed something and i feel like i've got to tell you yeah i was like what if you just went in a little bit slower and went six feet first wall but then went eight feet the second wall i was like you're giving yourself too much to do and i get it we all do that but you're going in like with all the speed and and power like you like you've got metallica in your head i was like put some bob marley on in your head and just ride mellow like use positive body language just be light riding across top of the ramp going a bit slower land a bit lower and then and get give yourself a chance to get in the ramp rather yeah. than going in and blowing it on the first wall, you know you know like over ramping kind of thing. Yeah. And, and, and we've really talked about this over the years, Kevin and I. And he tried it. He's like he's like no no he's like that that's cool. Like thank you for telling me that. Like I'll I'll try. And he's like no you're right. I was like I only say it because I do it. We all do it. Yeah. You know and I can't see it I myself. Like... But as your friend I, I can kind of see it. So I've spent years studying my riding and studying other people's riding and trying out like the body language and stuff. And I realized that it's like the the Bruce Lee theory of rather than being like a big tough guy in a fight, but but like a slight, a slender guy who's loose like Bruce Lee, he can use your strength and power against you. Yeah. And I was like, what if you could apply that and and flow more like water, as, as Bruce Lee famously said, Yeah. you know, and be more at one with the ramp. I, I always feel like the better a ramp is, the more it can sense your tension, and it ends up working against you. I can see that. So if you can just loosen up, then this is something that I guess Brian Blyther just knew when he was born that Mikey Aitken just naturally had. Do you see what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. And other people like me, I had to think about it. And no, work it I, out for when, when I,
0: I've, the, I have to do it to me because I've always been I mean, growing up. To, like I always looked at like you know Augustine and like I was always drawn towards powerful, yeah, 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 aggressive writers. They, they looked like they meant it, you know. Yeah, and I loved that about it, but then wanting to ride like big tranny or vert and stuff i i learned sometimes that would come against me like i yeah yeah for go sure. get in get fast then you'd be like fuck! i landed low this first wall why the fuck did i land and, and
1: it goes as well like doing too many tricks yeah and like everything it starts to compromise your ability to be loose and go fast and land smooth and go high and yeah. all of that And and like i said earlier that's kind of the one thing what well, you... I'm really, really trying to do. So I had to, like, sacrifice all of these other things, which, let's face it, no one cares about them anyway. Yeah. And I was busy thinking, oh, well, you know, what's going to happen if if I don't do flares and people don't see me do bar spins? and I'm like, What was I even thinking? Who knows? <laughs> but it was, like, this big conscious decision to just try and become the rider I wish I could be, you know? And it's a journey that I'll never end, you know? you just, uh just trying to be... Honestly, it's like... I want to get to the point where I could watch myself on a video and not have to cringe, or I see a picture of myself and not be like, "Oh God, that's ugly."
0: Yeah. How close? The, how close are you to that? I don't know. I'm like, <laughs> I'm
1: like my own biggest critic. I, I occasionally I'm like, I'll see things and I'll be kind of like a little bit proud, maybe. Yeah. I like it. I don't think I don't think my writing's ugly anymore. Well, good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's like another big thing. There's a really good old friend of mine um, who was a pro skateboarder. I first started doing demos when I was like 15 or 16 with and he said to me once he said you know what Simon you bike riders you do, you do these things in the air like you know you'll do like a switch hander grab the handlebars and stick your hand over here or you'll do this one hander it just looks like you're signalling like I'm going to turn left or something Yeah. he's like why don't you do more focus more on shapes in the air he's like in skateboarding I feel like it's not like doing this one footer sticking your foot out here and this one hander over here it's more about tweaking the board and the body to make these shapes and these fluid movements in the air
2: Yeah.
1: and I couldn't get that out of my head So for years, I began obsessing with, like, the benchmark was for me, I didn't want to look like I was trying to tell everyone I'm about to turn left. Yeah. You know, like, signalling. And I I was like, well, what if I could keep my... It's like the thing I said to Pova about keeping keeping my limbs on, you know, forcing yourself to make things look nice. And then if you look through BMX now, you think about it, that's become a thing now, I think. I think a lot of people are really good at that now. Yeah, Like, I see it and I notice that people appreciate... The art. Whereas I know in the early days of freestyle, people were like, "Oh, that's great. Any of us could do that." But he just did a no-foot, one-handed ken and more yeah. is more. You know, and and I was really afflicted by that viewpoint, I think, and, yeah. and, and guided by that for the longest time until I just decided, I, I, you know, it took me a long time to realize. Actually, I don't like that. Yeah, it's not what I'm trying to be, and I don't think it's fun, and it's not that it's not impressive, but other people can do it better than I can anyway. and That's not what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And so I just found a way to just make my riding. The thing that i want it to be for me
0: yeah well i, mean, <laughs> I, th- I think is the only way i can really describe it like yeah, i mean that's one thing i always try to tell people i'm like you know we're talking about going high and make things simple i go i go the older i get sometimes the more i just want my bike riding to be what i wanted when i was 14 it's just go high and fast Right. you know i'm like when you come into it your your thoughts about it are almost so pure you're just like oh i just why do you ride bikes yeah so jump think, high and I go mean, fast it's on it's probably huh?
1: a great analogy for life like the longer you do it the more cluttered and distracted yeah. it becomes you know whereas when you're a kid you're like no no i just want to go really fast and go really hard yeah like where where, at what point did that get lost i mean probably when you found out how hard it is to go fast and go hard (laughs) where you're like you're like i
0: can do a no footer at this point and still st- impress this group of people right because i can't go as high as that guy there's yet. just
1: like this crazy honesty through it where I, c- I can't trick myself i can't use gimmicks yeah and i've still i mean yesterday for the first time in ages i was riding with matt hoffman yesterday and we were talking about bar spins and i said i don't think i've done a bar spin in like eight months i was like and because matt was like i haven't done one in ages and he wanted to do one in, so it was it was kind of like i said I- i'll do one if you do one kind of thing and i did a bar spin and it was fine and then I did, I was like, oh, I know what I used to do that I used to like, it was like a no-hander to bar spin. But yeah. I was like, this riding about I'm doing there. And so I did like a tuck no-hander to bar spin. And like, I'd stopped doing that for the longest time because I feel like it's a gimmick. Yeah. I was like, don't half do two things, just do one of them and do it well. Yeah. Just do like that perfect no-hander and just leave your hands off a second longer and just let it hang and hang and make sure the shape's right and nose dive in and go the same height the next side. Like, that's my focus. So it's almost like I, f- I feel like yesterday was a bit of a cheap gimmick doing a (laughs) now-handed but you see what I mean this is the way this is the voice in my head that I have to deal with that I have to live with that I have to fight against and answer to (laughs) do you want to go
0: through some of the questions some people said yeah sure why not not? I think there might be some good ones let's see let me get this thing going because I'm sure somebody's going to know a question that I didn't ask one question I did want to ask especially since we were kind of talking about uh you know the simplicity of styles. Who, who are like some dudes that you enjoy riding, watch riding right now? I know you ride as skaters and stuff, but when you do see some riding, like who's somebody out there that you're like excited about?
1: Um, I mean, I I love the notion of what Tommy Dugan does and what Larry Edgar does. Yeah, because it's everything that we've talked about. It's simple and it's fast and it's completely unique. I I always thought that the mark for me of a great rider that I like watching is you could watch them in silhouette mm-hmm. and still be able to pick them out you'd, you'd be like that's Larry Edgar okay and there's just this fire and this fury and this style and this flow and this uniqueness to everything he does yeah that, that there's no one else that can ride like him and he blasts so high and lands smooth and all of that Tommy Dugan I love there's a recklessness to him I really like um, um, like broadening it a little bit I really like Chris Kyle and I really like um, Kevin Peraza just because when i watch them they they stand out so much there's so there's just so much riding talent these days that it's kind oh, of, yeah it's kind of hard to pick people out yet those two just stand out so much for their complete uniqueness and they're, they're, there's like a almost like an effortless flow and style and, and like a playfulness and mischievousness about yeah. both of them when you watch them ride they just make you feel good about bmx and and you they just they make it look good, and it's almost like you can tell that they're cool people, yeah, and they just completely have this unique take and I love that I, I always say in BMx it's it, it's not the thing it's not important to me just to be as good as everybody else is. We need originals that's, yeah that's oh thing. definitely, you, yeah, you know, just these original characters, you know, just just that, well, you, that, you, that's you, what
0: really interests me. When you have robots, it's hard for people to look at that and want to get and involved the thing is I,
1: I, I don't want to compliment people and for it to be a backhanded insult against other people yeah it's, i'm not saying that if you're not like that then you you know everything is amazing and yeah you know, you know it, it's everyone's different and it's just that's they're the things that just appeal to me and i think a lot of it is to do with with it's aspirational from me you know it's seeing things that appeal to me that i wish i could be a bit more like that. yeah you know rather than just like well that's really cool and that's really impressive to me but i can't relate to it because i would never do it yeah you know like, i think you know, it, it's easy. There's a lot... Like, I, I'll i see someone do, like, a tail whip front flip with a late bar spin. Yeah. And I feel nothing, you know, when no, I, I see I, that. No, I get, I get it, like, yeah. Like, but, like, holy crap, that's so impossibly difficult and impressive. So why do I feel so little when I see it? Do you and know what I'm saying? I, I, it, it, it's the weirdest thing. I know. It's, and it's, I'm not putting it down. It's, more it's hard like,
0: to judge somebody else's riding like that because you don't know what they're bringing into that trick for them, but... And,
1: and also... Like, who cares what I think about their riding? Yeah. Like, I don't know what kind of rider they're trying to be, you know? Yeah. It's like somebody's told, called me out in the late 90s. They called me a, a sellout once, I remember, because I had, like, I rode for Trek for a minute, and that really helped me, and it, it got me to America and all of that. Yeah. And, um, and and I was like, wait, wait, hold on a second. Like, like what do you mean a sellout? Like, oh, you're with all those logos and all of that, and these sponsors, and, and I was like, but how can you call me a sellout? How can you accuse me of selling out? You don't know what I bought into in the first place. I will tell you. When I was a kid, I wanted. I looked up to like Mike Dominguez and people like that, and they had logos on their chest. They were sponsored professionals. They were yeah. rap riders. That was all I ever wanted to be. So, at which point have I sold out? Like, I. It's kind of happening for me. Yeah. I was like, so I hear what you're saying, and I'm not trying to have a fight with you. I'm just saying that you're wrong. Like, I'm. I'm anything but a sellout. Yeah. I'm following my dream, and that's the thing is you can't accuse me based on your ethics and ideals of being a sellout because you don't know what mine are yeah you know i'm just different to you and it's not right and it's not wrong it's just
0: different yeah you know so
1: i, I think that's an awful lot to do with I, it as
0: well just sometimes i feel like that how hardcore bmx got a little in the nine late 90s well just becoming like high school bullies you know it, there was like so many rules I, I remember in the 90s i always used to joke about there was
1: like a crew in england and I was just—they t- were very, very judgmental, and they had very certain rules about certain things and what could be done by who, where, when. And then if one of them liked something that broke the rules, I was like, "Oh, quick, back to the clubhouse for a policy meeting." <laughs> oh, you can't compute- There's a conflict now, and I'm just like, w- "Like, wait." You- so I used to get made fun of because ha- for- my bars were too big. Now I'm getting made fun of because they're too small. And that, you know, and my bars have been the same. It's just things change, and uh- yeah. And then a lot of this, I- I- honestly, I don't really think I get made fun of. I'm not like whining, yeah. or whining or anything. I'm just saying that, that all of this is just everything I was trying to get away from when I found BMX in the first place. I was trying to get away from the factions and the high school bullies and just anybody putting somebody else down to make themselves look good. I'm just I'm not interested in that. And all of that is based in that. It's based... It's somebody's own unhappiness and insecurity to make a rule, to make them look good. If I oh, yeah. make these rules oh, yeah. and you're breaking them, then you're wrong. And and then can't. I have something to hold and, over and, you. And this is the thing I like about Vert. For all the things... That I love in BMX and all the all the different kind of ridings I've done, all the different kinds of riding I've done in BMX. The thing about vert to me is you can't fake it. Everything else you can have an interpretation, you can have a take on it. But with vert, it makes fools of all of us. You know, you can't fake that. Oh well, I'm a certain kind of specialist in this kind of vert riding. It's like no, you're really really good, and you're not, and and you can't you can't hide it on a vert ramp. You see yeah. what I mean? It's out there. And I think that's a lot to do with, like, that's one of the many reasons why it's probably not that popular. You know, it's hard, to, it takes a lot of humility and a long, long time to begin to look good. And then someone just comes up and goes, Oh, yeah, that was quite good. Wait, have you seen Jamie Bestwick? He can do that three times as good as you. Yeah. And again, it's like, it's the high school insecurity mentality
0: or whatever. What, why do you think, um, and we were, talked about that earlier, but since you just said, what do you think keeps kids from being interested in Vert nowadays? I mean I have my like little theories. I think
1: I think the ramps are really big and really prohibitive. I think the notion of having to wear a full face helmet all the time. I think the idea that it's actually really, really frightening and dangerous. Yeah. And it's not about perceptions. It really is frightening and dangerous. Yeah. It's 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 horrifying sometimes. Um and then the Vert dudes are all in their forties. I I always tell this story about when I was a little kid, whatever music when I first you know, discovered music for myself. Like, I have my own music that I liked. Like, when I was thirteen, I was all about Iron Maiden, and you know, like dads and uncles are like, oh, you don't want to listen to that rubbish. You want to listen to the Rolling Stones and the Beatles, yeah, and and David Bowie, and and this is the stuff it's way better than that rubbish that you listen to. But at, what they didn't realise was at the time I was twelve years old or thirteen years old, and I remember seeing Mick Jagger and David Bowie doing that dancing in the streets cover <laughs> on tv and i was like this is what i'm supposed to like yeah they're like the, the singer from the stones and david bowie they changed everything i'm like these are like creepy old dudes yeah ah, thanks Sorry, i right i'm gonna to listen to some heavy metal instead you know and some metallica and i think the same thing in bmx it's like if you stand me next to dennis mccoy next to jamie bestwick but like those three years when the x games were in austin we, the three of us, locked out the podium on two of those three years, and the last time I remember the last one, last year it was in Austin after the contest, and they were going to do, like, the podium presentation or whatever. I remember I I was laughing, and I shouted really loud. I was like, "Would everybody in their forties please report to the podium?" And I knew it, like, it was kind of a joke, but it wasn't. Good. It doesn't make Vert look good. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? No. Yeah. And, and that's why, like, I really feel like a good thing for Vert will be. Like, we shouldn't have to stop, and I don't see why any of us should retire or stop. You know, certainly not not Jamie or, or, or Dennis, but I do ask myself a lot of the time, would it be better if I just left? You know, and I don't need to be in contests necessarily, and let the thing die a little bit and refresh. Because how hard must it be to compete against Jamie Best? Like I can tell you, like, it's really, really difficult. Yeah. Why is that interesting to anybody? You know, and, and if, if you're not going to probably ride contests and do all of that, then it's easy to actually not go and ride that big, horrifying... I mean, I. Ramp and buy the $400 full face helmet and all of that. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it's almost like the thing will fix itself, it will reset and it will refresh. But when you think of Vert now, unfortunately, you probably think of dudes in their 40s. Yeah. So it's not interesting, it's not appealing, it's not cool, it's not new, it's not easy, it's not accessible. It's a lifelong commitment. However, you say all of that, there's a couple of people every generation who still really want to be Vert riders and they do become great Vert riders. And, you know, the best are yet to come. Who knows? Maybe the ramps need to get smaller for a bit. Harry I Maine mean, said to me once. He said, "Simon, did you grow up riding 14 foot tall ramps?" And I said, "No, of course not." And He said, "Well, how can you expect me to?" Yeah. And I'm like, how can I argue with that? But then I remembered after that there, there did used to be a 14 foot tall ramp in Liverpool where I grew up. it um, really big this, for back then. Yeah, it was this 70s relic of this skate park in this public park, and it was a 12. It was a 14 foot tall, 12 foot wide quarter pipe with no deck, and the top two feet used to wobble when you took off. So it's almost like you had to time your re-entry slightly. Yikes. Um, And... Like, so I learned to ride that when I was a little kid. It was at the bottom of the hill, and it was sheet metal, so it was super fast and perfect and smooth. And a bunch of us could go, like, five, six feet on that ramp. Yeah. So I kind of could ride big ramps back then, and that's when... But most
0: dudes grew up riding... Six, seven, eight-foot ramps. Yeah, I mean, I grew up riding eight- and nine-foot ramps. And
1: then, the, then we evolved to, like, 10-foot ramps, and then 11, and then 12, and then we got to 13, and we we're like, whoa. And then, like, one of the ramps I ride is 14-and-a-quarter or something like that. But I know that, like, the 14-and-a-quarter ramp, it doesn't make sense until you're above about seven feet, seven or eight feet out. That's when it really comes into play, and like that's the ramp I've gone highest on in yeah. my life. Um, but it's no fun below seven or eight feet, and that's of no interest to anybody.
0: Yeah, you know? <laughs> I just yeah. I mean, it'd be nice if there were some smaller ramps where a kid could look at it and wrap his head right, around. And course. I think the same with like dirt, you know, but, trails and yeah, stuff. Yeah, of too. course. But also,
1: everything that we do, like most of what we do on a vert ramp, exists elsewhere yeah in bmx anyway on other ramps and that's fine like like do you know what if it dies so be it i've I've been asked a thousand times like what's wrong you need to do this you need to that no we don't it is what it is bmx is bigger than me or you or any of us you know it will evolve it will be its own thing you know, it'll go into the Olympics, it'll do whatever it wants. And it doesn't really matter what I think. It, you know, I, I'm just privileged to be involved and have my time in it. Yeah. And, and take from it what I want. And, and, like, talking about the Olympics, just when it goes to the Olympics, it's not really going to change anything anyway. It's not going to affect the way you and I ride every yeah. day. And why should it? But, you know, maybe it'll have some positives. Who knows? And, honestly, I, I, I don't even have an answer to any of that. You know, it, it's I mean, just... that's such a complicated thing. I think all of it, you just kind of... We kind of just got to let it go. The thing with Vert, if Vert comes back, you know, maybe it'll be because of smaller ramps, but. If there was an answer, don't you think we would have found it by now? It will fix itself. Yeah. Maybe it has to die and then like a phoenix rise from the flames. You know, just go out favor for a bit. But then somebody and like if none of us older guys were around, imagine somebody like Dennis Anderson. I, I can tell you factually, Pat Casey. I know how good they are on a vert ramp. Oh, yeah. But there's there's nothing in it for them right now. Yeah. You know, but maybe things change. Maybe they'll be like, you know what? Maybe I'm going to spend some time. Who knows? Who knows what the future is? Yeah.
0: But there will always be vote riders and there will always be vote ramps. I do like sitting on... One of the things I like best about it is if you just have that good little backyard ramp that sitting on a small deck and small close parameters with your buddies talking about tricks and rolling in that is that is a nice feeling that i don't think you get sometimes at a big cement park or something of course of when course. you're crammed in on the deck pushing And, and each it's other. weird
1: like, like i agree with you god the best days of my life have been spent on an imperfect backyard ramp yeah but now we can roll up to like multi-million dollar skate park plazas and developments everywhere and they were all kind of the same i feel like i've ridden all of them before I mean it's 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 better for you like up in the northwest that's where the real concrete exists yeah. for me because everything's so utterly unique and challenging and fantastic but like in most of the big cities now the parks they're just all kind of samey you No to they're, me. they're getting and lego blocky yeah that's exactly and they're so perfect that I'm kind of indifferent I've ridden them in some configuration yeah. or, or other at some point anyway and it doesn't really do anything for me but it, it's almost like you know like with tennis tennis is played on a rectangle with a ball and a net and, mm-hmm. and two bats, it's so simple, and there's so much that somebody's into tennis can extract from that, and there's so much fun and so many variations, and such complexity can come up from such simplicity. Yeah, and to me, I kind of love that about the vert ramp. Yeah. It's just this is very, very simple, no, yeah, I think I, I that, totally agree, that, yeah, that just riding around it isn't enough. I have to paint that picture. it's the it's the simplest blank canvas,
0: yeah, it's just it's there. like some people are like be yeah, like I love street riding because there's this, 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 and there's such an open world, but almost when you do ride a vert ramp, it's such a just it's just you and those two walls, and it's what you can create. It's not what you can find, which is street riding, right, of course, which of course. is which is awesome finding new stuff. But it's what you can create, or what challenge you set in front of yourself, and how you reach it. You know.
1: And also, and another thing is, is like these days with vert, especially because I spend so much time with skateboarders. I really do feel like the last vert rider on earth sometimes, and I love that. Yeah. Because this was always just meant to be my thing for me, and if it was popular and everybody did it, I'm a horrible person. I probably wouldn't. There's a reason I don't watch American Idol, and I don't like any, <laughs> I don't like anything mainstream because. By definition if something's mainstream and popular it must be compromised yeah so that there's a lack of purity whereas my thing even the other vert riders don't like to come and ride with me necessarily do you know what i'm saying yeah. like like my niche is so just me and i'm not trying to say to anyone else this is what you should be doing i'm not saying it's good or better or anything it's just my thing for me and I, and at, like in at this stage of my riding in my life i kind of really like that secretly
0: yeah i can see that yeah <laughs> It's, just, well, I mean, my, it's just, just my
1: thing for me. My interpretation, that's, that's all it that is.
0: And that's probably how you started out, so... Just wanting it to be for you.
1: I guess so, I guess.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all right, here, let's run through some of these questions. Um, all right. Bristol just wants to know, uh, if you got to lose one trick, can-can or turn-down?
1: Oh, that's a good question. It's easy. I would lose the turn-down.
0: Oh, see, I said the same thing. I like I like both tricks, but... I mean, two monumental tricks, yeah. but...
1: Can-can, I mean... I I do like a turn down five and a turn down and i alley to but a can can I have like twenty five takes on that. It's everything that I've obsessed with all my life. If it's you can like,
0: do a can can nice, it's like like the Lee Reynolds. Oh
1: god, I just, just chasing yeah, that. Yeah, I never tire of that trick. So So yeah, I would lose the turn down. Okay. Probably against popular opinion there. No, I think <laughs> I I totally think it's against popular opinion. <laughs> of course.
0: I totally Uh Casey Smith wants to. no, he says uh says, your style's very inspiring to him for a long time. Um, well, we went over this one, kind of. How long have you been breakless? Um, 2003.
1: 2003? Yeah, I like Casey Smith a lot. He's an incredible and inspiring writer in himself. A great original, a true original. He is a true original. Like, I follow him on Instagram, and yeah, I'm a big fan of Casey.
0: And he says, where do you kind of see BMX, I mean, see Vert in 10 years? I mean, I don't um, know if we really
1: touch that. I mean, 10 years from now, Well, we'll probably, we shouldn't. Shouldn't all be riding? <laughs> um, I think know, we may have said the, that ten th- years ago. Guys, I, mean, I mean, I look at Vince Byron at the cutting edge, and his like the tricks he 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 does are incredible and very hard and very dangerous. And I don't know who's going to come along and be able to do tricks like like all his flare whips and yeah, you know, like a tip. like. Lots of the stuff that like Kyle Baldock and those Logan Martin those guys do, but he does that in the vert context, yeah. and it's like it makes no sense to me. It's, it's incredible. So perhaps it go more that direction, or maybe you'll still have people just trying to do easy tabletops. I, I don't know. Maybe the ramps will get smaller, but there'll be new blood. It yeah. will be. It will exist in some shape or form. Um, I hope, you know, I hope it continues to evolve. I hope it doesn't go underground and or take backward steps. But maybe it does. Like I said, maybe it does have to take backward steps. And we need some 10-foot tall, 12-foot wide half pipes in backyards to, like, reinvigorate the thing. Yeah. You know, let, let people be, go back to square one.
0: Yeah. Um, let's see. I don't know if this one means anything to you. Not Nick Rudder says, "Who sprayed bollocks on the ride ramp?" Does that make any sense to you?
1: It does make sense to me, but I don't know the answer. I know what, I remember what the ride ramp was, and um, I don't know who did spray bollocks. I'm not sure if he's made that. Could have been me. It <laughs> doesn't sound like me. The ride ramp actually. Um, I don't know. No, no, Oh, I think maybe he means the one at Mark Noble's house, like his own ramp Yeah. at the the ride offices. That probably was me. Okay, because I was involved in building that. It sounds like something I would do. Okay, and you, you know what bollocks means? Bollocks is like a catch-all English word for like something can be the bollocks, meaning it's good, or if you say if you say that's bollocks, it's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. And if you get if somebody shouts at you, they give it like a, you, your parents could give you a bollocking if you do something wrong. That's like a telling off. So
0: okay, <laughs> uh, I don't know what this one means. Benny BMX forty three says ninety six spokes and the rim still dented. Do you remember those
1: those ninety five spokes wheels back wheels. in the day, the manly wheel it was a company called I did run those for a minute and they were terrible, they were useless, you couldn't get tension in the spokes. Yeah. It was thinking of the thing. I don't even remember. I I remember I rode them for five minutes and I smashed like three sets of them and just went back to forty eight. <laughs> but like what a stupid gimmick. I mean, that's something that happened, I think, a lot in the 80s and a little bit in the 90s when we were finding ourselves. There was a lot of gimmicky bike parts. Yeah, I mean, you'd think bikes that, were super high-tech, but
0: looking back, you're like, oh, they were just but trying like to figure at, it like out. At, like
1: how perfect and simple a bike needs to be.
0: Yeah. you know. Um, we went over, mid-school BMX, we went over, he asked why you took off your brakes and stuff, so I think we pretty yeah, much yeah. went over that. Um,
1: but like in a nutshell, just to, to release
0: myself, to free myself or to force
1: creativity. Yeah. You can't slow down if you have no breaks.
0: Right. Um, somebody asked about why'd you stop doing the 900? We pretty went we, 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 we went over that, that really good.
1: Uh, a mixture of, I was just exhausted from injury and it was the monkey on my back. Like you said, I was just sick of the expectations and the pressure of it. Some dude goes,
0: do you ever practice into foam? I do not. Okay.
1: I, it's like I've tried, and it's like pulling teeth. I hate it. I hate, it. <laughs> I hate it. And, and like even Rezi, it's like you have to. It's like a skill set in itself just to learn to use it. And I do admire people who can use it, but for me, I'm like, do you know what? If I, could, I'd, I'd, it's just easier to just try it on the ramp. Yeah. And like give myself and work up to it. Like, um, like. Rather than just, I see lots of people like, oh, I think I'm going to try and learn flip whips. And they just try one, it's wild. And they do, after 50, you start to get an idea. Whereas to me, I'd be like, well, go and learn backflips and, you know, like learn all the elements of it. Yeah. Until one day you can just, it, that, you know, that day presents itself and you get the devil in you and you're like, today's the day, let's find out. And you try that first one. I mean, like, Aliyup 540s, for example, um, I'll, I'll use that. Like, I. I heard I saw someone try one. It's Eric Steele, Crazy Eric, back yeah, in the eighties, yeah. and he killed himself. He like hung sprocket. And I talked to him years later. He said he wasn't even trying an alley five forty. He was actually trying a nine hundred. He just stopped stopped at five forty and hung yeah. sprocket and crashed. But I was like, I saw an alley five forty. And then somebody told me once that that Hugo Gonzalez had tried one as well. Then, I, could, I could totally right. See which that. makes sense. I, He's I know he like crazy. he like alley 720s off the side of a quarter pipe or something yeah. like that. So um, and then, but no one no one did alley 540s. And it, my first X Games in San Diego '98, I saw a skateboarder called Giorgio Zatoni from Italy. Um, he came down the roll in at the start of his run and alley 540ed the first wall, and it just blew my mind. Yeah, and like so, you put all of that together. Years earlier, I I think early '90s, I'd done an alley 540 like off an extension on a mini ramp yeah like into the mini ramp but you know not not really in the vert context it was only a tiny one but i remember after seeing Giorgio do it i went home and, and i was like i think i'm gonna try them i just went to the ramp one day and just like did a couple of like little alley like two feet over coping or something um and then was just like all right well let's just send one see what happens yeah And I I spun Alleyup 540, and I remember, like, I pulled my... This was back when I still had brakes. I pulled my brake to anchor the landing, and I took one foot off and kicked the ramp, but kind of, like, didn't crash. Yeah. I kind of got to 540, like, skidded a little bit and put my foot down and kind of, like, shuffled away. I did another one. It was kind of like that. And then I just kept my foot on and pulled one. Nice. But to me, that was... I I built... Like, I learned all the elements involved in the trick, and then just put them together and just tried it. But now you'd go and learn that on the resit. Well, you'd learn it in the phone first, and then do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and of course, I followed the logic. And you know, we kind of wish we had that when we were kids. But yeah. I, but I don't. I don't regret not having that stuff. It's kind of it forced me to learn in a different way and almost like a more honest way. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? No, and no, I'm, I and, and I take yeah.
0: nothing away for like new is new. Maybe, maybe every everything generations are always different, and you right. can't hate on.
1: No, of course, of course, of course. It's amazing the progression. I remember. Um, we went to this contest in Switzerland in the late 90s and they had a 10-foot wide channel on this foot ramp and a big roll-in, which was basically like a big wedge ramp, like a big flat bank, kind yeah. of like you get in the Vans Park series yeah. Now. yeah. okay? Um, and I remember trying to alley up 540, that 10-foot channel... But I couldn't, I could alley far enough to clear the channel, but the ramp itself wasn't wide enough for me to get the line on the wall before, mm-hmm. to get the sufficient angle, if you see what I'm saying. So I remember, I was like, but it'll be okay, because I can just land in the channel on, on the wedge yeah. if I don't get far enough. And so at that contest, I, d- I did a couple, like, alley onto the thing and rode away. And Kevin Robinson want, told me that that's what gave him the idea for the Vert Resi ramp. And he went back to Woodward oh, wow. and he talked to Gary Room. and said, "I saw Simon do this thing. He landed on this thing. What if we did that on the vert next to the vert ramp? We could just learn tricks onto this bank.
0: I didn't know that and was we could Kevin's make a really. of
1: that. Because you know we knew the, the, the technology existed for box jumps. Yeah, yeah. But it hadn't happened in a quarter pipe context yet. And so he he talked to like this is what he told me. He went back and and like they sketched it up and he talked to Gary Room and they made their first. Yeah, I worked at Woodward. Resi I remember, I remember
0: when the resi vert ramp was there. Okay. I remember dying on it trying to go high on a 540 and like, <laughs> it just made me feel too comfortable where it's, it's just you know people some
1: people talk about why would you jump out of a perfectly good plane yeah it's like why would you air out of the side of a perfectly good vert ramp <laughs> yeah, yeah, I <laughs> yeah i got i got <laughs> I, I don't it. know i don't know
0: um real bmx wants to know, he said the uk bfa had incredibly talented riders competing who were some of your favorite riders that competed in lee reynolds carlo griggs
1: um stephen laidlaw um Craig Campbell, Neil Ruffle, um, Mike Canning. This is hard now (laughs) because these guys really, they changed my life. Greg Guillot, I said Lee Reynolds, Andy Brown was incredible, really nice to me when I was a little kid. Just the wildest, most aggro style. Yeah. Just capable of anything. Um, and like, and all those riders had all very, very different styles, but they're all so amazing. The Hudson brothers that I talked about, Mick Hudson was, was one of my all-time favorites. David Frame, incredible. um, I'm trying to think. I don't want to leave anybody out. Scott Carroll just influenced me and changed my life forever. God rest his soul. Um, yeah, lots of good rides. And don't forget that that's where Jamie came from. Yeah. Jamie came from from the UK BFA days.
0: Um, I think we, we kind of covered that one. Uh, Fraser Byrne um, wants you to tell a story from the New Quay Backyard Vert Ramp. Uh, okay. What, what did neighbors say, and how long did it last? Oh, that
1: was ridiculous. I I, I moved down to this town called Newquay in the southwest of England.
0: Okay.
1: And um, it's like, it's kind of like a different climate to the rest of England. It's like white sandy beaches and palm yeah, palm I'm, trees. It, it's kind of in the Gulf Stream that comes across the Atlantic from the Caribbean, and so it, it's ten degrees warmer. It's a bit drier and everything. It's really really nice down there, Cornwall. And um, so I moved down, there and there was no vert ramp. So I got this new house and I built the vert ramp in the garden now I was working with the the city down there to try and get a park built and we were gonna have a vert ramp there yeah so in a way it was like at very worst I'd, I'd be okay once the park was built but um but the neighbors immediately come like I remember when I built it i, I wrote a letter to every single neighbor and explained that you know i would use it respectfully i didn't build like handrails on the top so it didn't you know you could see it over the fence a little bit but it wasn't i thought was like, we weren't going to be noisy we weren't going to have like big get-togethers it was i was a professional bike rider it was purely for my riding you know i'd maybe have the odd friend over but if they had any questions any complaints please just talk to me and most of them were good but the one neighbor um and then the local counselor kind of turned on me and 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 then I had to apply for planning permission and all of this and, and then planning permission got rejected. Um, so I, I, um, I, I disputed it. And then, um, I guess it, it became like a national news story. I ended up like live on BBC news talking about it. And they were saying like, well, if like a, a world like a world class tennis player wanted to build a tennis court, at his house, he'd be allowed to do that, why is, can't this guy, but then the other people were saying, well it's awful, it's really loud, and it's really tall, and it's noisy, and he can see into our, our yard, from from the top of it, and everything like that, it's unacceptable, and and it just, it became this horrible joke, and then in the end, I lost and had to tear it down anyway, um, and it was just, it was just a bummer, you know, It it was just sad, and it was like one neighbour, and I remember, they, like a year or two after we had to tear the ramp down, he, the one neighbor came over, he said, hey, I saw you on TV the other day. It's really good what you do on that bike. And I was just like, yeah, yeah. It just It was just sad. I was, like, I was like, you don't get to champion me now, you know? Yeah. Like, you killed, you killed a little boy's dream.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, here's the last one. Uh, he said, it's Emmer Johan. Um, and he wants to know, is the uh, kind of, he put legendary in quotation marks, but, you know, like maybe the perceived uh, vert rivalry between some of you top guys, generally healthy, and who's your favorite person to compete against?
1: um, The legendary vert rivalries. They've always been... I mean, maybe I'm going to spill the beans here. I'm hesitating for a second. They've always been awful. I remember around 2006, 2005, I was so unhappy because we'd all begun as friends doing the same thing, but... You know, we'd all kind of become these X Games stars or whatever and we're on yeah. TV and, and everybody had big houses and was making money and fancy cars and, or, you know, we, we were living a ridiculous dream and everybody became like so kind of petty and possessive and so-and-so wouldn't talk to that person, that person had fallen out with this, so-and-so had said this in an interview and he'd beaten him and, and no one was friends anymore and I remember I, I just didn't really like it anymore, I didn't yeah. like being around them and I was really, really, really unhappy being a professional bike rider and i was just like i kind of i love riding but i don't know that i want to do this anymore
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I, and that was ridiculous because because i had the job of my dreams like i I lived this dream privileged life so i was like so why was i so unhappy And i was like so i have to do one of two things i either have to turn it around and get happy or i have to quit it's that yeah. simple i was like so let's try and turn it around and get happy so i remember 2006 the beginning of that year I went around to everybody that I hadn't been talking to, every one of the dirt riders that had fallen out with in some way, shape, or form. And I was like, "Look, I'm really we we all used to be really good friends. Everyone kind of got the same speech from me one on one. Like we all used to be really good friends, and like, but so much has happened, and we've all like made this money and become stars or some bullshit, and you know, and and we're not friends anymore, and it's not fun, and I hate it, and and I want I want it to change, I want us to be friends again." Like, we're all so lucky, and there's only so many, so few of us in this privileged position. Like, and everyone was just, I remember everyone was so receptive, was like, no, my God, you're right. And every single one of us became friends again for a while. Yeah. And it was so nice. And then, you know, inevitably. You know, that new people come in and there's new rivalries and people fall out with each other and all that. But I don't feel like it's ever been bad since then. But for a while, it was really toxic. Like, people yeah. hated each other. Oh, that's crazy. And people wouldn't talk to each other at the ramp. And I was like, we used to be friends in the back of a van, like, hucking ourselves for $200 prize money. When did we become these monsters, you know? Mm-hmm. It was it was horrible. And so, so, yeah. But then there's a lot of rivalries that are healthy. But, but you know, like a lot... Of, the big name guys like, like mirror and mirror and all of that over the years, it it was, there there were definitely some terrible, terrible rivalries, Jamie. And then I feel like, I don't know. I I just feel like it was not something I ever, it it made me just kind of like, um, become a bit of a, a recluse yeah rather than like that's why i couldn't go to woodward and be in the bubble with all the gossip and the intrigue and the drama and all of that i was like i just have to go hide away and actually that's why i like riding with skateboarders yeah do you see what i mean i'm no threat to anybody i i just they're just my friends and and so i i just and i don't think it's the vert riders or anything, it's just a human thing you know yeah it's it, a tri- it, like it, a tribal it's, weird thing it, yes yeah, it's yeah. Just a strange trait you know we're all flawed and and yeah, it's the one thing I haven't enjoyed has been the rivalries, to be honest. Is it there, always bummed me out.
0: But is there somebody that you used to ride contests maybe with that you'd see ride that would maybe you get excited about that want to make you ride harder? Jay, Jay Miron. Jay Mirron, Jay Mirron
1: and I were... like We were always... Um, I want to say we were always allies. Yeah. You know, we always felt like outsiders that had to work really hard to get there. Jay always used that as a chip on his
0: shoulder he to did, go he did, harder. He did a little
1: bit, But but he and I... I just felt like he always looked out for me, and, and, and he was always, like, super, super good to me. I think Jay's misread a lot. I, I, no, of course, of course. And I, I just think that he and I, we never, never, never fell out. I've only got good things to say about Jay. And I always loved being on the ramp with him. I respected his writing so much. I respected his character. I liked him. He was funny. Yeah. And I, I just always enjoyed, enjoyed being on the ramp. But these days, you know, my favorite is um, is Coco. Oh, yeah. Coco and I, We just we, we, we have such a brotherly love, the two of us, you know. I I sometimes feel like he's like my younger brother, you know? And and we just, we just see eye to eye on the whole thing. And we're no threat to each other. Do you know what I'm saying? We never, we always just, we appreciate and value each other. And if, if, if he does well, that's like a triumph to me. That's a success for me, you know? And vice versa. And it's like, it's the very best kind of friendship. I really, really like that.
0: Nice. Well, I think we're about done. Do you have anybody you want to thank or anything? You want thing we didn't touch on or anything? Just, um, I think just the the people I want to thank is
1: everybody that, that I've interacted with in all these years of BMX because yeah. it, it's such a privileged journey to be involved in BMX. You know, forget being sponsored or pro or, you know, all the things that go with it. Just to have been able to do this thing for all of these years. Yeah. And just all the fun and the good times I've had with every, everybody, you know, and the other fallings out. Like the rivalries I was talking about, I'm sure I played my part in a lot of them. I definitely pushed a lot of people's buttons. I mean, like, do you remember that, that one time Back in the day, I had that sticker on my helmet that said foam-free. And, yeah. and, and that wasn't, and that was like, super serious, but it was to push people's buttons. Somebody, the story behind that, somebody was like, um, oh, what new tricks have you got for the X Games this year? I was like, yeah, nothing, really. They're like, well, you're going to have to have something new and big. I was like, oh, look, I don't have a foam, but I haven't learned anything. I'm just going to be doing what... In fact, my, I, I need to make a declaration. I've got nothing new. I've got no foam. And it was kind of a joke, like, you yeah. should put that on your helmet. And my friend made a sticker. And I kind of knew what I was doing. It was, like, a declaration that, like, I don't have it, and I... I not that i'm against it but i knew it was a contentious point and it was kind of pushing people's buttons a little bit and yeah. so i've been guilty of it and i'm sorry to those people you know because but it's just that's just me and my character i guess i was just being mischievous it's, and some it, some people saw the funny side and some people took it really personally and were probably still offended by it to this you day push some buttons to get somewhere, uh, yeah and just <laughs> so so no just really everything about riding has been it's been so good and and i will leave riding with the precious thing that I began with which is just the spirit of how great it is to ride a bike and do fun things with yeah. friends and all of that and that's that's the one thing I would just say to everybody hold on to that spirit yeah. it's the only thing that's
0: really important I don't care how many yeah. likes oh, you yeah, get on your sure. Instagram yeah.
1: or whether you're sponsored or whether you're good or not just do your thing and, and enjoy every minute of it
0: yeah because the bike the bike is just that it's the tool for the adventure
1: it's the vehicle for for an exception like an incredible life yeah. a journey and adventure and that's what's important yeah
0: definitely All
1: right. Well, cool. All right. I think we're good. Thanks for doing
0: this. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't heard the news lately about Chris Doyle, he recently had a life-threatening scare on a Kink BMX trip. Uh, Chris Bennett and Empire BMX are both. uh, releasing shirts for Chris that will help him with his medical bills. Uh, Chris's are pretty awesome. They're a re-release of an old Square One shirt. And if you want to check that one out, you can look at it at shop.inkdivision.com. And Empire has an awesome one, too. And you can check that out at empirebmx.com. Uh, go check those out. Chris is an awesome dude. He He's, you know, such an icon in BMX. So please go check those those out. And if they seem rad, go pick one up. Um, and to you, Chris, I hope you're doing great and you know, you're in all of our thoughts. So till next time, guys, I hope everything's good.